Hello everyone and welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sorechomp. If you're new here, I want to say a big welcome and thank you for checking out the show. And if you're a longtime fan, we're happy that you chose to return for another week. It's always wonderful to know that people spend their free time listening to us when they could be doing a million other things. So, thank you for being here. We have an exciting episode lined up this week with the recent releases of some extremely popular IPs and with more on the horizon, there are a ton of games vying for your money and attention. But a lot of time can pass between each release. For people, maybe they find themselves gravitating to a new IP, or perhaps they find themselves growing tired of waiting for the next release in the series. The question that we decided to ask ourselves and you is, how can a game series keep your interest over time? After our discussion, we will be reading the comments that you, the listener, left on the Swordchomp Instagram. And if you are interested in participating in those discussions, every Thursday we post a topic over there for you to chime in on the debate. While we didn't play a ton of games this week, we also made up for it in quality as we are going to be breaking into our thoughts about Pokemon Legends Arceus, the game that everyone is talking about and hopelessly addicted to. I can imagine that most of you were like us this week, wishing that all of your responsibilities would just suddenly disappear for a week so you could catch Pokemon and Shiny Hunt. Josh and I will be discussing our closing thoughts on Solar Ash as well as I have completed the game. And if that is not enough content, we have some special social media polls that were voted on by, you guessed it, you the listener. You can participate in that every Tuesday at the Swordchomp Instagram. So enough of the preamble. Let's get my friends and co-hosts in here. First, I am joined by a man, a guy, a dude who recently made a surprising confession to me. Now, I'm kind of afraid to reveal it here just in case people flood his DMs. I think that this juicy nugget is just it's too good to ignore. A few months ago, he 3D printed a reel-to-scale Pokeball with the ability to open and close. He tried to climb in to see if he would become a Pokemon, but wasn't successful. After multiple failed attempts, he went down a dark rabbit hole. Searching for secret furry clubs in his area. Once he found some, he looked until he found one centered around Pokemon. After gaining their trust, he joined them. He told them of his predicament, and they said with the current technology, it's currently impossible, and that they had many members who had already tried. Through some slick talking, they convinced him to surgically alter his testicles by replacing them with the 3D printed Pokeballs in an effort to catch them all. What he is catching, I'll leave it up to your imagination, but he just got back from the surgery a few hours ago, hopped up on pain meds. Welcome to the show, Rich Meister. What's going on? Um, they weren't actually furries. They were strictly into uh, like 
reptile and amphibian based uh, Pokemon. They were they called themselves Scalies. Uh, okay. Well, you, you completely ignored the whole point of this was me pretending you were hopped up on pain meds, and I was hoping you were going to go along with that. But uh, alas, alas, yet again, my intro goes. I don't know if you know this. I have a pretty high tolerance for pain meds. So do I. So do I. But I've definitely been under the influence of them for like wisdom teeth removals and stuff like that. So I definitely know there are strong enough ones to make you sound silly. And I was hoping you were going to play into that. I, you, I you know, I mean, you didn't let me run with it. So you kind of like threw it under the bus immediately. But the fact of the matter is. <sighs> I'm not really feeling that character. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what's my motivation? Look, we just talked about this last week. You don't know, but you yes and. We talked about this. Yeah, that's and and yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't knowing your throw, and then you immediately backed off of it. I gave you so much backstory, and you didn't even go with it. How much um, more do you want? I want to know what the doctor's name was. How can I get invested if I don't know what the doctor's name was? His name was Dr. Jan Oberman. His name was Dr. Aguila. Dr. Jan Oberman was his name. Does he have a son? No, he has a daughter, 12 years old. Her name is Janet. What are her interests? We didn't get into that conversation. Oh, okay. When I I interviewed him. Yeah, I like to think she's going to be a lawyer. You know, you never know. Yeah. Her dad's clearly got a good work ethic. He's he's doing butthole surgeries on adult men. Butthole surgeries? He's doing testicle surgery. That's right by your butthole. Yeah, close enough, I guess. Where do you think they get the extra skin from? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about that surgery. But I mean, like, it's it's clear that you do, because you just recently had it done. You'd think that, but I actually fell asleep during the pre-op stuff. Oh, that's like, good. Th- I was like, boring. <laughs> Whatever, nerd. Just get my testicles out of here. <laughs> Whatever, nerd. <laughs> Just hack my balls off. There's a new Mandalorian on tonight. <laughs> Come on, fucker. I got some shinies to catch. Let's go. Get my sack in gear. Oh, God. <laughs> I was catching up on the Always Sunny podcast during the pre-op. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, God. Josh. <laughs> so the made-up name that we picked, sure, for this doctor, I googled it because, of course, you say a name, yeah, making me. something up, you have to Google it. It's a clinical pharmacist, <laughs> and he's motivated. Who, who, yeah, so who believes in herbal supplements and alternative therapies. Wait a minute, I'm starting to believe he wasn't authorized to do this surgery at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've been had. <laughs> You've been duped. <laughs> oh fuck, that's funny. But no, really. All right, enough of that. How are you doing, Rich? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't write the char- a character that you were particularly interested. I wasn't in. resonating with it. <laughs> <laughs> we made it work, though. We got. There. I just, I just don't think my character would do that. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But no, I mean, like, what's been going on this week? Just a bunch of Pokemon? 
a bunch of Pokemon, a bunch of work. I uh, was telling you guys before this, I um, I have I've picked up Dying Light two, but I have not started it yet. So I'll probably talk about that next week. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like playing habits for the week, really, uh, just Pokemon. I mean, actually spent a little time delving back into because I I ignored a lot of the updates for a long time into Baldur's Gate three, but I don't really have a ton to say about that at the moment. Like we'll revisit that at one point, I'm sure, but. Uh, mm. Video games, yeah? Yeah, yeah, video games. Well, I'm glad you're here, man. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about more Pokemon with you. We've been, uh, we've been DMing and talking in our group about Pokemon just about relentlessly. Gudra. Good old Gudra. Yeah, but I'm glad you're here, buddy. Happy to be here, taking I'm it all ha- in. Yeah, take it all in. Taking take it, it deep. All- take it. Next! I am joined by a man who has only caught seven Pokemon despite playing 20 plus hours of the game. Why, you ask? Because when it came to the point of throwing the Pokeball at the Pokemon to capture them, he used a weighted net instead to keep them all in place. Once trapped, he pulled out a miniature stool, a legal pad, a pen, and sat next to the Pokemon for three grueling hours he would interview the Pokemon to see if they were worth entering his party. Most of them cracked in the first hour, weeping and blubbering, to which he let them go with no further incident. Some of them made it to the end, but didn't impress. He sent them on their way with a self-made TM for Splash, which is how worthless he viewed them as. If there were a lucky few who were fortunate enough to make it to the end, he would ask them to join his party. If both parties agreed, they were partners from that day onward. But a tragedy befell this man recently. A particularly promising Paris agreed to participate in his party on principle. But when Josh promptly provided proximate reprieve for the ensnared Paris, the the Paris attacked and knocked Josh and knocked Josh out. He was sent to the hospital, and when he woke up, he was informed by the doctor that his nurses found chunks of mushroom and detritus in his asshole. Please welcome to the show, Josh Fowler. Josh, how you doing? It seems. Strange still, the nurses were not going to be more specific than detritus, considering it was my asshole. <laughs> Is that how stun spore works? <laughs> I had so much fun writing that intro this morning. I was like, I hope they enjoy it. Shay, did, you, as much- did you break Shirley beca- simply because I typed penis in the chat? <laughs> yeah, that's why I broke <laughs> Because like uh, it worked. Because the thing is like <laughs> yep. I'm sure you guys I'm sure you guys noticed that one part. Yeah, alliteration. Out, yeah, the alliteration, <laughs> and then I was like, "Fuck, I should fit penis in here somewhere." But I'm that's not what I was waiting it. for. <laughs> I'm not gonna shoehorn it, shoehorn it in, and then Rich secretly, covertly did it, and I broke. <laughs> that's all it takes for this 32 year old man. I to was break, waiting for you to be penis. like parabellum penis. <laughs> 
portobello penis. Port, portobello, pala, bum, 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 I don't know what that was. <laughs> See, apparently Rich likes this character more, Josh. I should have switched your guys' characters. Seems that way. <laughs> but no, Josh, how long did it take for the, the doctors and nurses to get the mushrooms and detritus out of your asshole? I mean, those sort of things work themselves out in the end. Uh, generally. Do they? I mean, it's a, it's a narrow tube. By There's definition. Only... Not mine. Well, fair enough. I mean, you are out in the trenches. The Gaping. Paris trenches. But no, Josh, how you doing this week? How, how are things? Pretty good. Um... <laughs> I need to stop doing visual comedy. It, yeah, this is a, you got really yeah, good this visual is an audio podcast, going. man. Um, <laughs> why do you hate the listeners? Just out of curiosity, <laughs> Josh, you don't even know where to go with that intro, do you? No, no, not, no. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I hit the high note right off the bat there, and that, that was kind of <laughs> don't know where else to take it. Yeah, um, no, it's fine. Like I. I, when I wrote that intro, Josh, to be honest with you, I was like, this could go either one of two ways. He's going to love it. I don't, I didn't think I'd render you speechless, but I figured either you're going to love it or you're just going to be driven to drink even harder this week. The jury's out about the latter, but the I don't see how those things are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Could, could, could happen regardless. Um, Yeah. Regardless. Yeah, it, it's been a it's been a pretty good week. I've been uh, putting Gamer. way too much way too much game time into games whenever I do, just because everything I'm playing right now is just something that's easy to kind of zone out to and and do something else and just play for a long time. So I've been mm. putting some hours into Pokemon and uh, still playing some Nobody Saves the World and. Those and, are uh, both games so easy to, to melt into. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing that, and then a bunch of Final Fantasy fourteen as well, which I'm, most of what I'm doing at this point is leveling, so that, that's pretty easy to zone out to as well. I, well, you know what? I, I have a feeling you're going to be playing um, Final Fantasy fourteen for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, no, that's... Uh... Is that a popular game? <laughs> Seems like it is at this point. So it's, uh, it's say, doing well so. for itself. Um, I think that one might stick around. Just maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. Trying to stay warm. We had more snow again this week. Mm. That kind of got us buried again, but not not as bad as last time. Last time was a whole lot worse. Although we'll see. It looks like we might be getting. I don't know. I, I think most of the stuff heading right now is kind of. Looks like it's kind of working itself out on the Midwest instead. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't be as yeah, bad here. Yeah, definitely Texas. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. The northern part of Texas is getting hit pretty hard right now. Yeah. Some of their power is out again this year. Wh- what? Yeah. Yeah. That... Interesting times. Just ice buildup is such a big issue in the south. Gotta heat those things. Whenever, Gotta heat those uh, things. Yeah, like it's it's not even 
Like, it's only an issue in the South, where you get so much more freezing rain than anywhere else. Mm. Um, everywhere else, you, you know, it's cold enough. It snows. But, yeah, you get so much more crap that just hangs on power lines and branches. It's way too heavy and knocks stuff down. So, Right. Yeah, exactly. it, gets, it gets ugly whenever it does decide to finally get cold in the South. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And well, how- I'm glad you're doing okay. I'm glad you're here this week. I'm glad I was able to render you speechless with my uh, poetry in the mm-hmm. intro. I'm proud of myself. I'm going to hang my hat on that for the next week or so. I mean, and, you may uh, as well until the swelling subsides. It's for the gotta best. So- got to do something. Mm-hmm. That's Rich, though. Rich has the swelling, not me. But now I'm glad you're here. And, um... I'm Shay Layton, the Hisuian whipping boy. Yes, the same whipping boy where trainers have their tentacles and tentacruels prepare for their first hentai movie scenes. It's a meager living, but I'm able to feed my family, which is nice. Call him the fluffer. That's right. That's right. I Never mind. I'm not going to take that any further than the intro that I just said. I could take that pretty far, but we'll stop there. But... <laughs> We don't need to. Topic of the show this week. Let's just get straight into it. I'm not even going to worry about any kind of transition or anything like that. We are going to be talking about how uh, gaming IPs and franchises can keep your attention over long periods of time. This topic was prompted by the fact that Halo Infinite just dropped recently. Obviously, Pokemon Legends Arceus, the newest entry into the Pokemon series has dropped it's not an official release on the main game but it is a quote-unquote spin-off of that um kind of gray area for that we are seeing some games come out this year that are big games we're seeing god of war ragnarok a game that had been delayed for a year we're seeing horizon forbidden west a game that had been delayed for a year we're seeing a new kirby game there are a lot of games that are coming out this year that have been long-standing IPs. And uh, uh, you could look at Metroid towards the end of last year as another example of that. So what I thought it'd be an interesting kind of topical conversation to have here is that these long-standing IPs have these games dropping. How, how can they continue to keep us, the average consumer, interested in these games over long periods of time? Now, Pokemon's a little bit different, obviously, because they they are constantly having things release. But that's not always the case. You look at something like Final Fantasy 16, a game that's presumably going to take a very long time. You look at Elder Scrolls 6, a game that's barely been talked about, only just been announced that's being made. You can look that's at not the real. Fact, you can look at the fact that today, Grand, the- Grand Theft Auto 6 was announced that it's being worked on, and the internet collectively lost its minds today uh, at the time of recording. Rockstar announces it plans to continue making money. Gamers right. rejoice. Exactly. So how can, they, how can these companies continue to build interest over time? So that's kind of the question we're going to be talking about today. We, of course, have some listener comments we'll get into at the back end of this topic, but I want to get kind of our impressions about this topic first. So, Rich, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first. When you started thinking about this topic, what were kind of some of your initial thoughts regarding it? I mean, like, on its face, there's no 
perfect answer for this. And I think it is going to vary a lot person to person. But I mean, as far as like, if you're talking about keeping interest through like a development cycle to like, you know, make you want to be excited for a game, get on that hype train, be ready to fucking go and all that. Uh, I think the easy answer is the thing people are reluctant to do at this point, which is like, and it does happen sometimes and I get more excited when it happens to be like, we don't need to be talking about this game for four fucking years before it launches. Um, you could think of something like Star Citizen, the worst possible example. Um, and great, great time to bring it up because it's been in the news recently. Um, because they, you know, 10 years deep into development of that game and they, uh, recently put out a blog post talking about how they're changing their development in which the community railed against it because they basically said, we're ch in, in not, not quite as cruel words, but not all that nice either. Basically said, we're changing it because so many of you were whiny complainers. Like basically, uh, not what people want to hear when they've been giving you money for a decade to make a game that doesn't look like it's anywhere near finished. Um, but I mean, in short, I think transparency is the key. Like some of the, games I've been on the hook for the longest are the Kickstarters that know how to be transparent. Um, yeah. Companies that like that Yacht Club and Yacht Club just launched another Kickstarter. They have been a company, one of the first ones to true they show they truly understood that platform when they delivered on everything. Shovel Knight was one of the earliest Kickstarter games ever and they delivered on everything. They were very transparent the whole time. And um, Josh and I have brought up, brought up on the show several times. We're both bagging a game called Knuckle Sandwich. And the developer of that game uses a uh, grid-style graphic to show you, basically, give you a visual representation of how far along on sections of the game are. Like, developers are finding in their own way ways to be transparent. And I think, one, cutting down the time from announcement to release, but also just being totally transparent along the way is the best way to keep people engaged and excited. Well, that's one of the questions I want to ask you really quick, is you're, that... Initially, I mean, if you're not evaluating it at a deeper level, kind of the two things that you mentioned, in a way, kind of contradict each other. You're saying that yes. companies, your company, the companies need to, you know, not just be dropping information and information and information for a long period of time, like a stretch of years. But at the same time, you're saying they do need to have some level of transparency. So what, for you, what do you view is the balancing act for a company to, I'm, I'm not saying like you have to be a solution uh, sure. creator here, or you need that exact answer, but in your mind, what is kind of the, the way that they can tow that line effectively? Well, well, let me be clear when I, when I say that, because I think both of the things I said are coming from different angles, but are equally important. Something that is like a smaller game on a Kickstarter you can't not announce that early. You know, you're directly asking people to involve their money in getting this developed. It's going to be a long cycle. If you're doing something like that, you need to be absolutely transparent, give those updates, show what you're working on, but then take a big budget game like the Elder Scrolls six that you brought up. The, when, when we first heard about the Elder Scrolls six, it was nothing more than a piece of key art. I don't need to fucking know about that until there's something to show. Why bring it up at all? Yeah, yeah, I still remember thinking it was strange that during the opening title, you know, section of five, the announcement for six just just popped in there. Like I'm starting, I'm starting five, and all of a sudden this you're finally for awake. Six, yeah, 
yeah, so it was a weird, it was a bold choice. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it's baffling I, to me. I, I, if there's I nothing to show, you. why show it? I agree with you because when the, the news got announced today that um, that Grand Theft Auto 6 is being made, all I could think of was, there's nothing to show. Who gives a shit? Yeah, but exactly. Who fucking cares? the internet does care about that stuff, which is interesting. It's interesting to see who cares about what or well, when people care about things. It's, it's it, so... If it was like, oh, the people are working on the new Horizon entry, people would be like, okay. But it's Grand <laughs> yeah. Theft Auto. It's well, Elder Scrolls, so people care that much more. That, that's why it's more baffling to me, though, because, like you said, that announced be like, oh, the Grand Theft Auto 6 is in development. Of fucking course it is! Like, right. <laughs> what are you people... I don't understand! I mean, it's, it's exactly... To me, it, like, I view it as exactly what you said in the intro. Rich company plans on printing more money. Yeah. No shit. That's, yeah, Rockstar announces they plan to make more... Like, of course they're going to do that. The only... The only, and I, I've actually gone on record saying this before, so I'll, I'll gladly like re- uh, reiterate that I have said almost the opposite of this. And I wasn't saying they were never going to it. I just want to make this point clear. With the amount of money Grand Theft Auto Online makes in, Rockstar never has to make another Grand Theft Auto if they don't want to. But I guarantee you whatever Grand Theft Auto 6 is, it's probably going to have a bigger GTA Online that was built with all the things they learned in the way GTA Online changed over the years. Like, the development cycle increased because GTA Online was making so much fucking money. But at the same time, of course they're going to make GTA 6. Of course they are. Well, yeah, first off, of course they're going to make it. I I mean, not to get too far off on this topic, yeah, I I would be led to believe that they would put more into somehow marrying the single-player and the online experience. Because why wouldn't you at that point? with how much money you're making. Yeah, exactly. That's that's where the money is, is the thing that they learned. And a big portion of that is because Grand Theft Auto Online is basically a big online casino. Um, that ha- like, And I'm not going to shit all over GTA Online because some of the gameplay aspects of it are really cool. Like, the GTA Online heists are undeniably awesome. I never did one of them. I've watched people do them. And the reason I never did one of them is because it took them like three years to get the cool stuff in there. Which kind of sucks, but like, I'm happy for the people that play that and really enjoy that because it looks right. like it's something cool. But I, yeah. I mean, marketing video games is in such a weird space simply because games that are that big can literally like Rockstar can predict a stock increase based off them going on Twitter and going, we're making a new Grand Theft Auto. Right. Like they can they can set their watches to that. And that's. A weird level of power yeah i mean i mean that's that's got to be such a big part of this right is um when stock uh holders and shareholders are involved in this then you can market your game in a specific way i remember when red dead redemption 2 was coming out and here in japan of all places there were ads for it everywhere and i was I was flabbergasted because yes, this is the country that will will have Pokemon everywhere. You you go to a um a restaurant and they have some kind of promotion with Pokemon, or you go to a specific water company to get water 
for your house and they have Vaporeon as the official mascot. You have things like that That's here. That's cool though. It is dope as fuck, but the the thing is I would never expect Red Dead Redemption 2. I would expect Bio or sorry, not BioShock. Uh Resident Evil or what is the I Biohazard his name? Biohazard. Thank you. I don't know why I forgot the Japanese name. Uh Biohazard. You expect that to be advertised here. You don't expect Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, to be fair and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm I'm I have understood from multiple people I've talked to, and maybe you just can't speak to this or don't know it. From what I understand, there is a sect in uh like Japanese culture of people that are like super into westerns. Like they have they have a weird popularity with certain crowds in Japan. That's like, possible. That like I-, I think there probably is an audience for it. But at the same time I agree with you. Like I wouldn't have been expecting mass marketing for that game in there, but that could also be part of, you know, Rockstar games probably do pretty well out there, and maybe they just wanted to make a bigger push in the East, which is, you know, cool. More power to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I can't specifically speak on what you're talking about with the the Western thing, but it makes sense from the simple standpoint of like there are Western people that romanticize Japanese Japanese culture, right? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, there, so it, sure. yeah, I, I do. Yeah. That's kind of I've heard that that is almost a one to one thing. Like the reverence for samurai movies in the West is similar to the reverence for westerns in the East. Uh, yeah, I- I'm sure. I'm sure there's that. I-, I haven't encountered it, but I'm sure it exists. But um, to get back to the topic on hand, yeah. So finding that balance, you, Rich, you're saying that fi- finding that balancing act between putting too much, disseminating too much information and not enough. Finding that balancing act in accordance with the size of the project and the company and the means by which you're releasing this project, like. If, like I said, specific, like Kickstarter crowdfunding is such a specific point of like, well, of course we have to talk about this thing super early. We haven't even really started making it yet. Right. Um, like, and at that point, yeah, transparency is key because that's how you're going to keep the people who are to some extent and in some cases a literal extent, uh, if it's something like Fig, seeing themselves almost more as investors than, mm-hmm. um, you know, consumers. Right, it's it's yeah, it's an investor on a much smaller scale. So yeah, you you have to be transparent with that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I I get what you're saying there, Josh. How about you? When when um when you first saw that we were going to be doing this topic this week, what were kind of some of your initial thoughts of how a company can keep your interest over time? Um. Hmm. I don't know that I want them to is kind of where I fall on that. Um, so, like, I've got thoughts for how they can do it better, but it, it seems like they do a good enough job most of the time. Obviously not everyone, but... I... I don't know. I like I, I really like the kind of surprise release thing like Rich was mentioning, or, or you know not not telling us about this thing ages in advance um the new kirby is a good example of that i think like they announced that and it was like they announced that like two months ago and it's out next month yeah yeah yeah. and that got a lot of talk you know on on social media and whatnot because oh hey look at this thing none of us were looking forward to just popped up and it's gonna be here real soon 
Um, what's what's interesting about that case too is it's if it, it's such a monumental change for the series as a whole too because it's the first 3D Kirby game. Yeah, it's a big. It's the first. Yeah, three full on. Mm-hmm. 3D platforming Kirby. Right. That's such a huge change for the series, and the fact that they chose to market it in the way that they are is really interesting and awesome. So, yeah, I think that's a great example. Sorry, both of you. But anyway, sorry, Josh, please continue. Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 that's... Yeah, because I I feel like old Nintendo, we would have seen that six years in a row at E3. Um... And like I, that exhausts me. Um, trying to care about a game for that long before it comes out, um, I end up getting bored halfway through. Whenever it's just taking forever, uh, you know, for us to actually get to play a game, I just I right. get I get tired of it. Even if it's something that looks good, like no, I, I get what you're saying, like. If if this whole time that we we were getting this Final Fantasy 16 news, for example, but it was just little nuggets here and there, I would really start to not care about that game. But the fact that they're like, we're working on it, it'll take time. And I know there are people out there that are kind of like talking about wanting yeah. more news on that. I, and I get that. I get that. But at the same time, they showed, I think, enough to have me interested and keep me tied over until they have enough. They showed like a proof of concept, which is like, it gives you an idea of the aesthetic and the tone of it. And I, and in some cases, yeah, I do think that's enough to be like, here's a little glimpse of what the next final fantasy is going to look like. We'll talk more about it when there's more to talk about. Yeah. Which I like that so much better than last time when they announced 15 (laughs) before 13. Yeah. 2003 was crazy. Versus 13 nonsense that went nowhere. And eventually they were like, Oh no, this is just 15. Now we, we've, we've changed our mind. But we didn't know that for a long time before 15, like they, I'm, I'm probably misremembering the sum, but I don't feel like we knew about 15 for ages before it finally came out. My, you know, my, they, anyway. My favorite parts when they, they, they uh, Nomura then went on to uh, take the Versus 13 uh, concepts and just put them in the end of Kingdom Hearts 3 for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Video games are weird. Video games are weird. So, okay. So, one of, one of the first things, and obviously there are going to be some not so... Um, fresh? Uh, no, not, not fresh. Like, there are going to be some answers that we come up with here that are going to be like, oh, no shit, Sherlock, kind of thing. I mean, it's, it, it is kind of that topic, but also I, I, I want to get into some of the deeper stuff. But one of the things for me, I think, when I think about keeping my interest over time is really and and this is this is directly reflected on what we're going to be talking about with Pokemon but it has to be for me it has to be enough where it sets itself far enough apart but it's not setting itself so far apart that it just doesn't feel grounded in the universe that it's created for itself and it's i mm. i can't really think of a too great of an example where that has happened recently but i will say that i like for example i like what pokemon legends arceus has done because it's very grounded in in what it's built up through 
the whole franchise. But it's it's a f- new enough formula to where that's why everybody is enjoying the game so much. And that was the same with when Pokemon Go came out. Granted. Yeah, Niantic worked on that. Um, but it's it's far it's far enough removed from the typical formula that the other games have built up, where it feels fresh, and that's why everyone was looking forward to it. Whereas when you see the new Pokemon game that's coming out, people are kind of hesitant to get excited. Of course, there are people out there who get excited, but then there are also, and I also acknowledge that Pokemon fans can be very petulant, but, um, no, then there are groups of fans that are, <laughs> there are groups of fans that are like, is this going to be the same old shit again? Is this going to be the same old shit again? And it's a valid concern because that has been, um, a lot of what the Pokemon franchise does is it drops, a lot of the same game with just more Pokemon, slightly different things happening. And a different, a different gimmick. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's really important to where a franchise can try new things, set itself apart far enough, but also feel grounded enough to where it, it's able to do that. I, um, I think Mario is such a textbook representation of that, where... Over the years, Mario or Nintendo has been able to try all these different things with Mario because they've grounded that world and they, they put the legwork there to the groundwork there to be able to do that. And they've put in the legwork to be able to try different things. Yeah, I, I think <coughs> something that has kind of really shown off how they're willing to try new stuff, keep what works, get rid of what doesn't, but not just completely throw away what came before it is especially the the Mario and, and Zelda series uh, because uh, Super Mario 64 coming out the gate being just an amazing 3D platformer and then you know, doing doing a lot with that going forward, but then continuing to make 2D games after a while. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of they they gave it a longer break than they should have, but they realized that there's a lot. But of, there's a market for both. Like t- yeah, 2D Mario and 3D Mario can coexist. Mm-hmm. And I also think like having that fundamental idea. Let's kind of like uh shay was i think hinting at with the whole like they have a good foundation they have these building blocks like mario 64 is that's how 3d mario should work exactly hard stop but then we're gonna expand upon that and take things like throw flood and like the the flood in mario Mm -hmm. sunshine the the hat mechanics of uh in odyssey like just try adding different stuff to mix it up and for the most part that stuff works in really cool ways yeah and that's i think that's one of the reasons Arceus is so good a it's good on its own merits but b it's good because it's finally doing something different with the pokemon formula uh and and like there have been pokemon spinoffs before but they've been entirely different like don't make anything that anyone could accidentally compare by accident to our darling mainline pokemon series Whereas this is a spin-off that just feels like the new Pokemon game in a lot of ways. Like, this is just, it's a new Pokemon. It's completely different, 
in a lot of ways, but it's... It also it's, feels like the natural evolution. Yeah, like it's very well. much the same world. It doesn't feel like some random, completely out there, you know, dungeon crawling thing or whatever, like we've gotten in some of it, them. Um, it, it didn't feel like, say, like, uh, going back to, like, the GameCube era, like something like Pokemon Coliseum, which, like, had this potential to be this good, like, next evolution of the Pokemon mainline series, but then was just this very linear RPG that like severely limited the Pokemon you could even catch and like had some cool stuff going on, but just was hampered by, like you were saying, Josh, clearly a level of oversight from Nintendo going, do not let this be comparable to mainline Pokemon. We, yeah, exactly. We don't want anyone to think that this is an expectation going forward, that this is what Pokemon is now. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I, I I think we've kind of, in a roundabout way, we've mentioned this before, uh, but just just getting all the Pokemon turned into 3D assets with with you know models and animations that they can then reuse for everything was such a massive undertaking last gen that I think hopefully we've just got a whole lot more flexibility moving forward now that that work has been done. Just like the the, the legwork of getting so much required busy work done because of the massive catalog of Pokemon is going to let us see more interesting things in 3D now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that's really important that you, you were essentially saying, and I'll probably just be rewarding, is... When, they, when a company introduces or an IP introduces a new concept that is awesome, that a lot of people like, that it's not just ditched completely, that it's utilized in interesting ways. Uh, you, you think of like Mario Kart, which in theory, like who would have expected back in the day that Mario would go in that direction, but it did, and it was really effective. And so they ran with that idea, and now it's one of the highest grossing um IPs out there and it's it's a mark of excellence for a lot of people mm-hmm. in that in that genre i uh i think that's super important and that kind of brings me to another topic that i think is really important is listening to your fans to a certain degree you know when obviously there are times where you know f- f- fans aren't necessarily sure what they want or what they're asking for is actually in the best interest of the company or the game itself. You can call but, them dumb. No, I don't want to do that. I mean, like... Let me do it then. <laughs> I mean, you do what you want. I, you, you do what you want, I do what I want. I'm not going to call them dumb. Because I'm sure I've been that dumb fan from time to time where I'm like, why don't you just do this with your fucking game? And it's like... It's yeah. just that easy, bro. The Pokemon should just be open world, bro. Yeah, exactly. I've been that guy. I, mm. but I think it's important to listen to your fans from time to time and and understand that you know there are times where they actually do have the best interest for the game and mm-hmm. and it will make it more playable for the average person. I think that's really important when companies acknowledge that, especially because if it's like okay, th- these guys actually listen to us. Um, this company actually listens to us, and we have some, even if it's a minor, 
role to play in how this game is shaped than when they're like, oh, we're going to be releasing this game next. Um, if it's like a direct sequel to the game that they love, that they've had some input into, then of course they're going to be more heavily vested. There's going to be a, he- uh, a heavier, more vested interest in that game. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Rich, is, like, is there anything else when you think about this topic, anything major that you think is important to consider when thinking about this topic? Uh, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, it, a lot of what I had to say here is generally broad concepts, and I think I really touched on most of that because as I kind of fucking opened it with saying, like, there's no right answer to this. There's just things that through what I've observed over the years and the way I've seen things flounder and what works for me and what doesn't work for me, what I think is the best course of action. Mm. That's fair. Like, is there is there a game that you can think of off the top of your head where you were just super excited for it and um, it was, and just the way it was being advertised or the way it was being approached, things the the knowledge or the uh, the the advertisement for how this game was going to be released and everything it was just hitting the right notes for you that when it finally came out you were just your your expectations were just met or exceeded because of the way that they kept your interest over time. Um, I'm sure there is something. Nothing really comes to mind. Uh, I'm I'm struggling to even think of like an ad campaign that felt really personal to me maybe that's good that i'm not well, too enthralled maybe, by well, ad campaigns <laughs> maybe not think specifically ad campaign then just in general like when a company has talked about their upcoming release and they were able to retain your interest um yeah honestly nothing really comes to mind like there's no standout for me all right i'm sorry I, I know that's not an interesting answer but i'm just being genuine with you i uh, know i appreciate the honesty i appreciate the honesty uh how about you josh um i i don't know kind of kind of like we said earlier the games that have been announced forever and you know It's hard. It's really hard to keep someone's interest for that long. Like even even stuff that I ended up eventually liking, like you just you get tired of seeing it after a while when it's just like yay and more screenshots or whatever. Like it's it's I mean, one that I'm excited for soon at this point because I'm finally letting myself get excited for it again. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, I feel like we've been hearing about for way too fucking long to the point where I didn't fucking give a shit last year. I'm like, I've, we've seen this so much. I'm, I'm kind of... They keep talking about it and not showing me enough to care hmm. for so long. There was, there was a they have. big stretch in the middle of the development of that game where everything was so vague that, like, okay, like, why, why are you showing me more of the same vague thing that you led with? when you first announced this and I thought, Oh, that looks interesting. Um, yeah, it just, it just didn't work. It, it. And how about now? Well, now I feel like again, right before it comes out, they released a bunch of information about it. It's they're kind of showing off what it actually is now, which was the biggest issue from before. 
was that we just knew the tone of it basically and nothing else. Um, but yeah, showing more of what the game is about finally and it us not having forever to wait now and going, Oh, it's Bioshock. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Like I, it's something I can kind of get excited for. I know what it is. Like there's something to actually hold on to. Um, Like, honestly, I, I think, I don't know about, you know, my, it's not something like that stays on my mind constantly through the waits, but I feel like the games that give us less in that intervening time, I just, I don't I get, just, I don't get, I don't get bored with it. Like, I, I'm imagining you're sitting there like having sex and you're like, what are they going to release some Ghostwire Tokyo information? Fuck. <laughs> Honey, what's Clapping wrong? Cheeks. Is it is it about Ghostwire Tokyo again? I just I can't I don't understand even what its core concepts are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me do the sound effects. Rich, can you say that? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Give me give me five seconds. Can you say that exact same line again? Hold Gotta on. Gotta go grab a bottle of lube. Honey, what's wrong? Is it about Ghostwire Tokyo again? <laughs> yeah, that trailer just it, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just more of the same sound there. Well, that's a bit we just did. Uh-huh. Uh, I hated that. I loved that. There's three of us, but for some reason, I had to be both characters. <laughs> <laughs> Josh isn't going to play himself. I know better <laughs> than that. As denoted by the scene we just reenacted, he doesn't yeah. have to play himself. Mm-hmm. Or play with himself, for that matter. But no, I'm not um, Josh Fowler, I just play him on TV. That's right. <laughs> exactly but yeah i i think i think that's an important point josh is like when and how they release information that actually i was going to ask you guys another question about that is when when a company does something like a a deep dive into their game and they have the developer make a video or do a stream and they talk about their game is that something that gets you keeps you interested in that ip yeah, like, I think one of the biggest missteps that I've seen a lot of people do recently is the big E3 announcement slash here's an update on our game and there's just nothing in it because in the context of trying to remember this thing with a million other different games to pull your attention away from it it's just like why why did why did you think we'd care about your thing with the nothing you gave us right here um or i i, I don't i Whereas I feel like that sort of thing, when done kind of as its own, out of nowhere, like, oh, hey, we're, we're working on this thing. We'll, we'll sh- tell you more about it later. That gets my interest peaked. Like, okay, I'll keep that in mind. I'll think about it. And then once I, they do show me something r- later about it, I'm ready for it. Like, even if it's, like, it, the same stupid screenshot, Metroid 4 or whatever, if that wasn't at the end of an E3 press conference, if it was just a, you know, 
the thing pops up on Twitter one day out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Hope we hear about that sometime. And then, then we I'm, don't. Well, A, if we don't, whatever. But B, when we do, we're all like, oh, yeah, we've been waiting for this. Whereas, I mean, it's, kind of, it's a joke at this point that, that we've seen a JPEG for Prime 4. Because they just expect us to be so on board because of the IP that, you know, all higher functions of our brain cease to work. Um, Mine stops working a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I love, honestly, when a dev shows off kind of what their game is capable of and why we should be interested in it because their passion yeah. for a game will definitely make me care more yeah i mean about you, you ever seen peter molyneux talk about anything he does it's hard not to get <laughs> excited even though you know it's going to end up being a peter molyneux game it's true i've been burned before yeah but still he's he's infectious the little little scamp just he's makes, just he makes you just, believe. Yeah, he's just so excited that I get excited. Uh huh. Fucking Peter Molino. <laughs> he always gets me. Always gets me. But yeah, I I think I think there are certain strategies that people can employ in order to retain interest. And I think some of the ones we talked about here are great. Let's also get into some of the listener comments as well, so we're not kind of just treading, um, our wheels here, so to speak. So every Thursday, like I said before, every Thursday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, you can leave a comment whenever I post the topic of the show, and we will read them on the show. We love reading comments. We love getting people involved in the, in the conversation. It's a lot of fun for us. It allows us to view these topics from a different vantage point that we may have not thought about. So uh, let's go ahead and read some of these comments. So... Beef Supreme 13 said, I would have to say replayability is huge, but that's probably the normal answer. Personally, I'd say contents, story, characters, and ease of playability or control scheme. Now, I think replayability is... <laughs> replayability is, a, uh, is an interesting way to look at that because, I mean, a lot, a lot of these, I think, are more have to deal with... well. I would definitely say replayability has to deal more with kind of like a current title than a future title, per se. Um, because yeah, that kind of makes sense, though, for if, if people aren't still playing and or talking about the last game, getting, getting mm. people hyped for the next one is a much harder sell thing, thing to accomplish, whereas, like, That's a good, that's I, a good I, point. I, I, I'm not a huge Call of Duty fan, but one of the reasons it's so easy to get people hyped for that is because everyone's still playing the last one when they, you know, announce the next one. Um, like, the, the audience is still there. They haven't wandered off to other things. Um, and they do that by just continually giving you more stuff. But I think the same thing can be accomplished by having a game that's just so replayable that it... I mean, StarCraft II did this because the scene around competitively playing StarCraft One 
was so big, still going on, that when StarCraft II came out, everyone was still thinking about it. Like, it was still a big deal. Um, I see your point. Like, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with why Grand Theft Auto 6 can, or Rockstar can make the announcement about Grand Theft Auto 6 and people are losing their minds on the internet because a lot of people still play 5. Yeah. And there's, there's a huge community that's still there. That's fair. Okay, I can see that point. Yeah. Well, that's a fair point then. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way. But, um, yeah, it's certainly viable. Yeah, I think that's one of the big reasons that fighting games are looked forward to as much as they are whenever the new version of Street Fighter comes out or, or whatever, or Mortal Kombat 38, whatever we're on now. Um, that's Super the best Smash one. Brothers. Yeah, like, pe- the old community's still there. So whenever, you know, you announce anything new for it, it's, it's mm. still a big deal. That's fair. That tracks. You track. Not really. No. Not as Uh, much as I used to, at least. Parsifal the Otaku said, Depends on the type of game, but with JRPGs or RPGs, making the grind fun and worth it. Make it so your players don't realize they are grinding and that they are just having fun. Also, a great epic story is always key, in my opinion. And that's that's interesting. I think, yeah, with certain game titles, if you figure out how to advertise the grind as not being super grindy, I think you will have people interested. For sure. Yes, Josh? Did, did you give us different prompts again? No. Okay. No. It's mirrored, but you can read it. Okay. I can't. No, it's, I can't it's only mirrored for you, so you can tell where you are. Most uh, most apps have gotten smart at this point, and only mirror your view of the screen. That way, people can read uh, your stuff. Oh, okay. Sure. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. But yeah, not all you, of them. You... Not all of them, and it's really frustrating whenever they don't at this point. But yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't control what other people comment, so... No, I just... But no. After two of them in a row, I wondered if, if if we were answering the wrong question over here. Yeah, I think a lot of people misconstrued it, but that's fine, because we kind of touched on both points of it anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, even that works, like, if you are a big JRPG fan, from one game to the next, it can very easily get stale if you don't do something... To, to keep it interesting. I like doing the same thing over and over again until I die. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah, it's... I think there's a way... I, well, I'm trying to think of a way to, to talk Just about... silence. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of a way to answer his comment, because I think... It, I, of course, we're going to keep talking about this game because it's a brand new game and we're all obsessed with it, but you think about Pokemon Legends Arceus. And there's always been a grinding nature to Pokemon games, especially the mainline games, I should say. But one of the things that was so interesting about this game, besides the 3D open world, is the fact that you, they were mentioning that you're going to capture Pokemon in real time. And as we got closer to that game being released, they started talking about how the Pokedex works. And um, 
they didn't reveal the exact purpose of why it's working that way, but they also alluded to that this gr- the grind of this game would be a lot more interesting and fun as as a player who a longtime fan and player of these games. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually really important for the, the the games that have a more grindy nature to make sure it's being advertised as you know we're aware that these games tend to have this sluggish grindy nature we've put in work to kind of make that more enjoyable or less noticeable and i think that's that's huge for rpg fans especially if you're if you're talking about that before a release i think that's huge yeah and that being able to see enemies in the world is something that we figured out ages ago and has still it's not a rule at this point, even still, because, I mean, it doesn't have to be. Like, there's still, there's still room for the alternative, but especially in something intentionally grinding, like Pokemon, uh, it's really nice to be able to not waste your time by, by streamlining the parts of it that are just fluff otherwise, by, like, I can see exactly what Pokemon is over there. If I want to get into a fight with it, I go get into a fight with it. If I want to well, catch it, I go try to catch it. It's, it's, it's not a matter of let me run around until a random number generator tells me what fight I get in. And if it's the one that I want, I fight them. And if not, I run away for eight hours until I maximize the stats on this Pokemon that I, in a way, I wanted to. Like that, that has always sucked. And anything that they've done to fix that problem is always been welcome. Like in some of the games they've done mini games. You can just grind the stats by playing fun little mini games instead. That that's, that's been my favorite solution so far. And they only did it once, which is sad, but like, yeah. Yeah. Um, X and Y, that was such a cool thing that they did. And I don't yeah. know why they got rid of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is fine as an alternative to that, but yeah, like the, the, something, something needed to be done in order to make the game you know, a thousand hours instead of four thousand hours, uh, to really. Anyway. What, like you don't have four thousand hours? <laughs> um, not in this economy. The economy is in shambles. I'm in shambles. Fuck yeah, you are, man. Room shambles. Can't believe, can't believe you got in shambles. Shambles. Yeah, neither of us can do the Trafalgar law. But no, I yeah, I think it's I think it's important to kind of advertise if there's if there's a hang up in your I think that yeah, I think that's the more broad way we can talk about this. If there's some kind of hang up in your game that fans have long noted, as long as you advertise like we're actively working on ways to not completely circumvent that but make it more enjoyable or make it easier uh to yeah. get into that aspect of your game, that that goes a long way. Oh, it goes a huge way. Like, it's, there's a difference between streamlining all the interesting parts of your game out of existence and not making your game actively hate the players. Um, I mean, stuff as simple as those, those 
EVs I was talking about before, you used to have to track that yourself. And I'd have to write down pen and paper what they were at so I could keep track of them for leveling purposes if I was doing any sort of competitive stuff because we were insane back in the days with our Pokemon tournaments and whatnot. And Mm. that was stupid, having to go through and keep a physical log of my own stats in a video game like this this is what computers were made for was for keeping this sort of shit well didn't you streamlined agree, didn't you guys agree already um you know since there is no competitive battling in this game we'll all write down the stats of our pokemon and then roll dice to have a simulated pokemon battle yeah we're gonna, we're gonna have to bust out the you know 2d10s and actually i'm not, I'm not wonder what the rolls are they used the rolls used to all be based off 256 because it was a Game Boy game. I, I'm curious what the rolls, roll tables look like on this new thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, let's get, we'll get back into that more when we're talking Distracted about Distracted myself. Oh, yeah, I no, really yeah. hope we don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Tawny S. said, keep the quality high. And it's a balancing act between keeping what works and innovating where possible. If you look at franchises that are stuck, like Elder Scrolls and Dragon Quest, for instance, they had a winning formula and you didn't innovate where they needed to series like fire emblem come to mind with keeping what works and innovating uh where to innovate to keep you coming back and i think that is a really good point that we lightly touched upon yes ish although they've done that once so far uh oh fire emblem yeah with fire emblem (laughs) well i mean the the, well the game before we talked about well yeah the game before they did something mildly interesting with but like uh, i think birthright and conquest were really the 3ds stuff they were really trying harder i think like yeah. they, they, were. they they were breathing fresh air into it like don't get me wrong the most re- three houses was the biggest step into like okay this is something we're different, really trying yeah. something here but like the 3ds ones are good and they were trying a lot of their own stuff yeah, yeah and like i really like all the ones before that i'm not i'm not saying that they're bad but they were the same game over and over again for a long time <laughs> Uh, until very recently that they decided to change anything up. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, 3DS onwards, they've really... And that's been within the last seven or eight years that they've really put in work. And, I mean, that's that's a short time considering how old the franchise really is. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's still it's still good to note that they, you know, they have been working on that Whereas there are some really long-standing franchises, like he mentioned before, like Gre- Dragon Quest or Elder Scrolls, that have done next to no innovation throughout the years. Oh yeah, yeah, no, and and on that same point, the changing things that don't work. Think I've not played it, so I could be wrong, but I've heard that a lot of what made Bravely Default's combat so interesting is just completely gone in Bravely Default Two. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I haven't played it either. I wouldn't say it's completely gone, but they haven't really done any. It's it's a lot more of the same, and it is. I don't I don't agree with saying it's completely gone. Not completely gone, but yeah, like it was such a breath of fresh air getting the completely new take on combat that the first Bravely Default was. Yes. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, I I mean, I can imagine it's kind of a, a difficult line to toe with trying to not overly innovate too much, to not change what fans love about the series, yet mm-hmm. set itself far enough apart. That's got to be a difficult balancing act. I can't even imagine trying to pull that off. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I'm sure it's harder for some series than others just because of the, the fan bases around them. Um, oh, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of StarCraft. <laughs> I don't know My I life for that. ire. Mm-hmm. You must construct additional pylons. Innovation is key here. I think about Final Fantasy as a series and how the game has evolved over the last 20 years. Fresh eyes and new approaches will always get my attention as opposed to repeating that same for- formula. And that was read by Mr. J.T. Ruiz, or um, typed by J.T. Ruiz, a good buddy of ours. Dictated but not read. That's mm-hmm. correct. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, uh, kind of along the same lines of the, the past comment we just read. That, yeah, that, that there needs to be, I think for a lot of people, there needs to be some level of innovation there. Otherwise, why should yeah. they give a shit? Yeah, you know? yeah, and I think for the longest time, a lot of innovation didn't happen in a lot of the bigger games, the AAA releases, because it was intentionally hard to play to get a hold of old games for such a long time. And I feel like, thankfully, the PC market has grown to the size that people expect I should be able to play this game from 20 years ago still Mm. fairly easily. Um, Not always the case. It's not always the case. Uh, Like it's not, it's not a rule, but it's much easier generally than trying to accomplish the same thing for some Sony title. For example, a lot of the times it's just, really hard nintendo is you know basically killed backwards compatibility for all their consoles except for a brief period where they realized maybe we shouldn't with the gamecube through wii u which was really nice for a while there and they're like yeah you can you can just play these old games um yeah they just gotten into the the realization that they can resell those games well yes exactly (laughs) But money, uh, yes, yes, they've changed it so they can resell them for stupid small fees, which is annoying. But also, it seems like they're people know about these old games at this point. It's it's something they're compared to, and I think the innovation kind of has to happen at this point. It doesn't always. A lot of times, we get more of the same crap, but it's really noticeable when we get more of the same crap now. Um, Hmm. Which is a good thing. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, I don't know. I don't... I... People will I, always I... want more of the same crap, is the sad side of this. And if you're a fan of... Innovation. The medium for this long, you're going to see stuff over and over again. And that's just frustrating, but... I yeah. mean... It's, it's kind of something you... Exp- you except when you become a fan of something like for example i i as you guys know i'm a big fan of metal music and there are certain styles i gravitate towards and then sometimes i when i'm enjoying these styles and i hear a new album from a band i like or from a new band that i just discovered i'm like wow this sounds like all the other shit i'm listening to and then i think about it and i'm like well no shit that's the genre you like and that's the genre trappings so of course it's gonna sound like that because that's that's the style you're taking in 
Yes, and that's, but that's true. That's true to a certain extent for video games as well. Yeah. Is that it's not going to be obviously always a one to one kind of thing, but there are going to be times where if you're jumping into a um a uh, Metroidvania game, yes, there there are going to be a lot of the same trappings from other Metroidvania games. Then there's mm-hmm. the ability to set itself apart and innovate, but I shouldn't expect like something wildly different. And I think sometimes fans do expect that is like why why isn't this gaming franchise doing something completely new and it's like why would it yeah like you know like with not doing that i I think (sighs) kind of kind of going back to the music thing it's it's not incentivized anymore it used to be way more incentivized to do something new to, to get to get bands trying different genres to try like completely redefining their sounds. And there mm. are still a lot of people out there who do that, but a lot of the popular stuff, I mean, country music hasn't changed in 40 years. As soon as, as soon as Southern rock became a thing that that's all country music is anymore. Like it's, it, we just got pop, got pop country like stadium well country. yeah no no like that that southern rock that kind of came about when that, that's all you've ever known for country at this point that we used to have way more singer songwriter stuff way more interesting ballads and I'd way say, say wider the, range in the genre that's dead it's it's all I, it's all uh, one sound at this point in country I, and a lot of other genres have kind of done similar things like I, I feel like jazz is way less experimental than it has been in a lot of the popular, you know, like the the big names in jazz, which is that's, that's, that's not what jazz used to be. Like that's well, that's that's where I would kind of nuance that conversation with both about music and video games. Is that like to avoid us sounding like old, like all of us, not just you, Josh, all of us sounding like old man yelling at clouds. Yes, when you're looking at the popular space, and I think it's kind of always been the case, that, that kind of trend of where you see certain people doing certain things and not deviating so much from that formula. And right now, you know, in your example, stadium pop country is very popular right now. But I mean, you could look at the 80s when hair metal was huge and every fucking band sounded the same. As much as I yeah. love hair metal. but um, Every think- band was poison. But when, literally and figuratively, but like, no, literally, um, a lot of people don't know that every band you heard, they're only the band. Yeah, yeah, everyone else was on hiatus, and they they why, covered everyone else's act during the why time. Why do you yeah. think Brett Michaels got his own Snapple flavor? That's right. But no, I mean, like if you look at mainstream popular music, and then you look at some of the smaller label groups, acts, what what have you, whatever you want to call them, and it's kind of the same thing as well with, um. Video games is yes. When you're looking a lot of, at the AAA space, mm-hmm. it a lot of it is gonna start to look very samey. But then you, that's why, like, I've really gotten into indie games over the past yeah. five, ten years is because I realize that if I want a um an experience that kind of deviates from that samey, boy, not nah, I don't want to say boilerplate because that implies something negative that samey company constricted formula, then you go and you seek that out in different spaces. And 
Yeah. That's why that's why I kind of like I was initially going to disagree but then you you clarified in the popular spaces. And that that's exactly how I feel about it. Like with video games, th- there's a time and a place for those kind of um more company regulated formula formulaic video games. Obviously yeah, it's working. I, it's I working the... in the space for something like Pokemon Legends Arceus where yes, it is a heavily regulated ip but it, it turned it turned out for the better this time whereas there are other times where it's like it doesn't work out as beautifully and oh, yeah um you, um you play an indie game and you're like wow there's a lot more innovation and there's a lot more to be excited for here especially with how they advertise it as well yeah yeah and i, I feel like a lot of that innovation used to be way more In the mainstream? Well, yeah. Like, not that it was mainstream to begin with, but it was recognized and picked up on. And you'd get... We had more... I don't know. Like, you just... I kind of feel what you're saying. I think you're you're along the lines of saying that basically you feel like where where the quote-unquote zeitgeist was for gaming 20, 30 years ago, the culture around it, was it allowed for more innovation to happen in those bigger spaces, whereas now it's more about... And this isn't, like, this is a general broad strokes... Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, observation is that there's less of that happening now. Like, the zeitgeist is less about being wholly creative and yeah, standing and I think apart it's, from everything else. And I think it's starting to swing back the other way again. Because I've mentioned this a few times before about what a fucking train wreck that PS3 360 era was for AAA gaming. There was a lot of cool indie stuff happening at the time because it was finally easier to get your games on the big on consoles. On those platforms, yeah. But mm. at the same time, we had a decade of fucking over-the-shoulder cover shooters and nothing did you, else. Did you not like Bulletstorm? Like, it's like I they made, like they made one so game. I. Over and over again. For a decade. And they got damn good at it. Yeah, no, they made some good versions of that, but that was all that was made. But there's also some bad ones. (laughs) A lot of bad ones. Um, I mean, I just, like, I feel like that's that's been the same case for years now. I mean, you look at, like, we were just talking about before the show, uh, Cow of the Kangaroo, which is a, uh, for all intents and purposes, like a B-rate action-adventure 3D action adventure platformer game that came out for the Dreamcast that wasn't marketed very well here, but it was popular in smaller environments. You had games like that coming out years ago, and yeah. it's kind of it's kind of the same thing there. Um, not to say that you're wrong, I'm just saying that I think that's kind of always been the case of companies try and hone in on someone else's success, and then companies kind of beat it into the ground. Um, yeah, a lot I mean, of companies yeah, do that. Yeah. I mean, just look at how many fucking Wordle clones popped up in 30 minutes after that. You mean, right? Thing. You, you mean, mean Loodle? Did you guys do today's Loodle? <laughs> no, I did today's Poodle. Oh, that, no, wait, that doesn't sound right. Uh, it was Shart, a new Poodle every day. That's the kind of money I have. Consenting Poodle. <laughs> yes. Well, to be fair, Loodle is the only Wordle clone made by a Star Wars writer. Bark one for yes, two for no. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>
Ah. Uh, I'm not oh, making wait. up Loodle, wait. it's real. <laughs> hold, hold, hold on, hold I do on. it every so day. I do Wordle and then I do Loodle. Huh. No, it's... it's... Yeah, but I, I mean, a, a lot of companies do that. They they see someone have success and then they try. And... Yeah, and they try and replicate it. And oh yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It's it's that's always been a thing, but it's yeah. when companies do that, they need to, you know, they they need to figure out creative ways to set themselves apart, and that that's how you gain people's interest. Um, for like, yeah. if you're if it's a new IP, but if you're a long-standing IP. And that's the case. Like, Wait, I don't even think doing I think something you different need to... is enough with the clones, though. Like, well, is that's the the issue? It's like the issue is starting from a place of creative bankruptcy and going from there. Like, not to say there's not anything of value in something like a battle royale, but I think anyone who was in the mind space of we need a battle royale and we need it now was not a good judge of anything that would actually be worthwhile to then make it I get what you're, culturally I get what you're valuable at that point like it's right and I, I was trying to focus less on the like the new ones I was trying to like use that as a as a way to make the point that if you are a long-standing IP and you're seeing all these clones come in mm-hmm. then one of the things is you need to market your excellence and oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. sometimes the pedigree speaks for itself. But I think you also need to remind people from time to time. And I, I don't have a specific way because I'm not in marketing. I'm not in yeah. game development of how you do that. You know, I have a basic idea of how you do that. But um, yeah, you really got to market. Yeah, because <laughs> oddly enough, I feel like some of the games that were actually fairly different in that battle royale space never really got a good enough like it's everyone's like oh this is huge it, it but it has to be if it's not huge the thing dies is kind it, of the was, way those sort of games work and some yeah, of the really enough, unique interesting ones never had thrive. the player base they needed yeah there's not enough players out there for all of them to survive and yeah. so a lot of them ended up just being like the oh this is a cool idea and then unfortunately it just didn't have the legs yeah. to yeah go anywhere with that mm-hmm. yeah i i um yeah i think about something like this example fortnite granted feel the way you want to feel about fortnite i don't really give a shit one way or the other fortnite doesn't affect my life but what's cool about fortnite is that they are constantly doing things in that game. They are constantly pairing um, or having kind of crossover promotion. Yeah. I don't know if you guys just saw it this week, the fact that fucking Silk Sonic is in the game, which made me laugh my ass off. But at the I same don't... time, I'm like... But they the showed same... a Star Wars trailer how, how, in how there. How much gain are you going to have to apply to that album for it to be even audible over just the loud as fuck sound effects in that engine? Right, because that's a quiet album. Leave the door open, girl. That is that is, a, that is that is a very wide soundscape on that album, and the whole thing is very low. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. And like the the thing is, I couldn't care less what Fortnite does, but I do think it's cool that they are constantly doing things in that game, and they're constantly trying to add content and unique content in there and it sets itself apart 
from I something mean, they're like... constantly getting paid to add content and is neat for them, yes, but also it's... It, it, it was... Remember when they added Among Us to it? That was a neat idea. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, like it's, it, it's, it was... I, it the, the, it was a it, uh, oh, fuck. What was the, I'm not. I'm Ford, literally not trying to shit on your idea. Clone. I'm sorry. I, no, no. That was no, then no. a Minecraft clone. That was then a PUBG clone. And they just it's like let's let's never have our own ideas ever. And and it hit critical mass. Is like that. That's that's Fortnite. And like, I don't. I I don't have a problem with it. To be like I think they've got an amazingly skilled team of animators over there, and like whoever they've got in charge of, uh, you know, like a lot of their graphical, uh, you know, shaders and whatnot. Really cool. They've managed to make a really unique style for themselves. For the record, it. I am one of the people who bought into Fortnite at forty dollars before it was a battle royale when it was the horde mode game about base building. Yeah, and I really like that game. I do too. That's that's it's two clones, but it was two clones stuck together in an interesting way. Whereas they took that base system and then just threw an, a third clone on top of it that doesn't even make sense at that point. It's it's anyway. Yeah, the the point the simply the point I was trying to make is like they have a, enough content in there and it rotates out to where it keeps the experience fresh. You look at something like Apex Legends, which um, they are constantly introducing new heroes. They're revamping their environments. They're doing in-game events that keep it constantly feeling fresh. That's why League of Legends has persevered for as long as it has, besides the competitive aspect and the pedigree of it, is that they're constantly introducing um, content that people want in there. So for, for games yeah, like that, that it's, it's really important. Um, and it's free. That's the, the, the other big thing, too. So that's that's a big part of it as well, is if you want to keep interest, you have to give incentives like that as well. Or you don't have to, but if you're in that style of game, like a multiplayer game, giving things away for free is huge. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, I think especially in competitive games like that, it helps to change things up enough um that you don't end up with i mean you, you look at like the modern warfare games that were identical for basically their entire lifetime more or less and you end up if you're not there on launch day don't ever try the multiplayer is you can kind of like it's just everyone is going to know the maps the like everything everyone's going to know absolutely everything about the systems of the game, but by the time you get into it, if you're not there instantly, and so it's it's almost impossible to get new players into something like that, whereas stuff in Fortnite rotates out pretty regularly at this point. Like, you'll still, if you know the systems, you know the systems, but you'll still have to, like, relearn the map and things like that on occasion, uh, which mm. is nice. Um, yeah. We're kind of getting I, way way off topic here, but anyway. We are, yeah, we are. I think yeah, we lost yeah. the thread a little bit here. Yeah, We did, we did. But, I mean, the point stands of, I think there are many ways to kind of keep your, keep your interest in a game, and obviously it's going to be dependent on a lot of factors. I just, 
you know, and, and I don't want to harp on it on games in a negative way or anything like that. I think there are a lot of very positive and interesting ways to do that. And I'm sure we're missing talking about some of the most interesting ways that games and game companies have done that. But uh, hopefully this kind of like serves as a way to kind of like think about your own choices of why you get excited for certain games and what about certain games and game companies and how they advertise that makes you interested in what's happening with them. You are now immune to propaganda. That's right. They live. Anyways, let's go take a break, guys. Uh, Let's let's recharge, refresh, reset. We will be right back and we will talk about Pokemon Legends Arceus and Solar Ash after the break. Good people of the Earth, if you're here listening to the Chompcast, I want to say a big thank you. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the Chompcast isn't the only podcast that we do. That's right! We have Evoking the Sublime, where Shay interviews game developers about the creation of their games. We also have Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the story of video games, as well as the occasional TV show and movie. And lastly, our newest podcast, Chomping at the Bits, went live just a few months ago, where myself and some friends break down the historical relevance of popular video games over the years. We have tons of content, and we'd love for you to check it out and let us know what you think. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, or over at the Sword Chomp website. Now if you ladies are done gabbing, I have some shit to do. Hey everyone, we're back from our break, and we're going to talk about a beautiful, beautiful game called Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, last week we revealed our initial thoughts. We weren't very far into the game, and we are much further into the game. Uh, I, Josh and I were checking our account before, uh, during the break, and I'm at 40 plus hours. I don't know how much of that is me sitting idle, um, but I'm, I'm at around that range. Josh is about the 13 hour mark. Rich is at about the 30 hours. There you go. So I, I imagine a large part of that for me is probably having just been sitting idle, but that's about where we're all at right now. So we have much bigger thoughts in regards to that. So we're, we're going to get started. Uh, but before we do that, Rich and Josh were talking about something that they kind of wanted to mention that we talked about last week, which is kind of funny. And it actually caused us to go down a rabbit hole before the show. So basically, we had mentioned before last week that there was no way to multi-select Pokemon and get them all out of your box at once. Um, Rich's friend had basically told him there was a button prompt that, to where you could do that. So Josh and Rich are able to do that. Now, for some reason, that bump button prompt doesn't show up on my version of the game, which is the same exact version as Josh's version and Rich's version but it's not showing up for me for some reason. So they have the ability to it's mass delete, but I don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you'd think it would be a patch number. You'd think it would be numbered, but I'm, part of me is wondering if it's an unnumbered patch, like hotfix thing that they put in at some point. 
Um, yeah, no why idea. Why it wouldn't man. be in your version of it? It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And like, it's not super frustrating or anything like that. But it it is a little bit frustrating. I will admit because yeah, that would make that would make life so much easier. And it's 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 a little bit more work. At the end of the day, not a ton more work. It is a little bit more work, and I'll live, you know, at the end okay, of the day. Okay, uh, no, no, I have the answer for you, uh, Shay. It's okay. actually quite simple. I just looked it up. It okay. is a feature that unlocks. Marie, the woman who runs the pastures, offers it to you, but only once you have a four full pastures full at one time. Because then it triggers a dialogue option where she'll tell you she's noticing you're catching a lot of Pokemon. And I don't think that's you... the trigger because I have at no point had four full pastures and it's in my um, version. Maybe you can trigger it by having something in the fifth pasture box or something. I have moved stuff to the fifth pasture box. It might be as simple as that. So not I being am... full, but it's once you're actually using all the boxes, they start noticing it because I, I organize yes, stuff because I am looking now and I'm even seeing the screenshots of the dialogue option. Okay. Um, it, Marie, the woman who runs the pastures, she unlocks it for you once you've captured a certain amount of Pokemon at once. It says specifically enough to fill four pastures. I would try <laughs> moving something to your fifth box and just find out, because I know I've not had that pasture I that definitely full. have, so it's like it could have happened for me the natural way. I have almost eight boxes full at this point. But when's the last have, time you've talked, you talked to, her? to her? That's what I'm going to do <laughs> right now. I'm yeah. going to go do that and see if if basically i'm guessing um, that's it is you've never because i yeah you went to talk to some rando at a camp i'm you, like why well, would yeah, you talk she, to him she literally of, she literally yeah. just gave me there that ability well i'm cool. glad i googled it for you while we were talking yeah yeah well there we go some live troubleshooting on the air um <laughs> very very uh interesting content for you mm -hmm. all out there to hear but now you uh, know yeah now you know like we know but yeah, so anyways, let's actually get into our thoughts. So basically, we talked about the very beginning about the loop that we like and all the qualities that we had enjoyed so far. And because Josh hadn't picked up the game yet, I think it would be beneficial to kind of have Josh talk about his initial thoughts so far. Because, yeah, he is not quite as far as Rich and I are at this current point in time. So I think it'd be interesting to kind of hear what his, especially with him having edited the show last week, if he shares the similar thoughts uh, on his initial stuff that he's been playing through, if you know, if he feels differently about it so far, what what his thoughts are thus far. So, Josh, kind of like what, where are you at so far with the game and your initial thoughts on it? I really like the overall changes to the structure and pace to this game it is very much not a mainline rpg heavy pokemon game like it's been before but i think it does the parts that it's always done well better in this than in the main series games that that the feeling of exploration and of exploring a world finding out where all these different pokemon are um, and, and it's, it's, it's so natural in this, the way they, I 
you're you're actually making the Pokedex this time, which is really satisfying. Having a new Pokemon show up, and it was satisfying before being in a route and getting into a fight, and all of a sudden, oh hey, I've not seen this particular Pokemon in this patch of grass. But it used to be one of those things where if you just miss that patch of patch of grass, you you might it might be just the one patch of grass that some, one thing spawns in, and it's just frustrating. Like you just miss it. Um, whereas being able to see everything on, like out, out in the world, there, there is no battle screen. When you get in a fight, you throw your Pokemon out, you're still in the game. It just pops up the combat menu underneath. Like it's, it's really cool. I, I, I really like that aspect of feeling like you are in this world. Like you are actually it's seamless. You can run away by literally running away. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I, I really, um, really like those changes to make you just feel so much more, at least personally, I feel a lot more invested in the world itself. Um, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see long-term how it holds me because one of the things that always gets me really invested in Pokemon games is that like high-end competitive aspect of it um and at the moment that's not really there um in a you know big way uh from what rich has mentioned it seems like a lot of the post-game stuff is harder from what he was mentioning before um last week i think it was i think it was rich mentioning that last week um i think we but, both kind of mentioned it okay but yeah rich mentioned we, it last we, week and then we i touched mentioned on it. a little bit of okay yeah yeah but it, it seems like that's i i can't imagine they're gonna expect that sort of grinding out of you is 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 it rigorous as that was for a completely obsessed competitive scene um yeah but like also it's a different grind but it's almost in the same way you and i talked a little bit about um nobody saves the world like it's a satisfying grind like there's nothing i kind of like more than looking at those pokedex tasks and being like the the research tasks rather and being like okay i'm gonna throw on a podcast or a movie and sit here and finish up some of these Pokedex entries for like some of the Pokemon in the first day. Like I'm going to go catch 30 fucking shinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I- exactly. And it's, it's silly to do some of those things, but it's also satisfying, satisfying? and yeah. not give me the taxing. Um, and also we were mentioning this beforehand, knocking out all that stuff makes it way more likely for you to just see shinies out in the world. Um, which is also really satisfying because you knock that out and then you're wandering around doing whatever else and you're just more likely to see something really cool. Um, it's, it's rewarding in a much more long-term way. Uh, yeah. Totally. And it's not even just shinies. Like you're right. It, it, shinies are such a more accessible thing in this game, which is awesome, which we were talking about before the show, but also alphas. And we talked about that last week on the show. That's another cool element of like, it's exciting to run into those alphas, especially the ones that aren't pro- programmed to be in very specific areas. It's always mm-hmm. cool to be like, oh, fuck. Like, it's happened to me twice now. There's a shiny alpha. Or, uh, sorry, no, I saw a shiny alpha. An alpha abra in this area. I've not seen that. I want to catch that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. when you run into those, it's always super exciting. Mm-hmm. And there's um, it's like a weirdly different element of it that I'm enjoying. But I think you and I talked a little bit about this privately, Shay. And I think it's by the nature of the the scale of the settlements because this game, unlike other Pokemon games, only has one real settlement, which is Jubilife City. Um, and you sort of see that settlement grow out and get new buildings and expand as it goes on. And there's something a lot more charming about the characters, and there's a lot more personality to the people in the village because of that. Um, mm. And a lot of the requests, which are the sort of side quests, flesh those people out in interesting ways. And like, they're people learning about Pokemon for the first time and how Pokemon interact with their world. And some of my favorite requests are basically you getting partner Pokemon for these people that you then see them with for the rest of the game. Like we talked about last week, there's a very early on request. Uh, where one of the guardsmen outside the uh, Team Galaxy headquarters wants you to catch him a Wurmple, because he heard Wurmple evolves into a beautiful Pokemon called Beautifly. And you get him that Wurmple, and you nickname him for it, and then there's a whole quest line about him and his Wurmple, and their, like, journey together as this Wurmple evolves, and it's been one of my favorite things in the game. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's one of the things that really shines about this game. I was talking with some people privately, as well as Rich, is I think that you know, I've heard some people kind of complain about the storyline, like, oh, it's typical nonsensical Pokemon storyline stuff. And like that honestly bothers me a little bit because I, I think, think it's more that, interesting than anything they've done in years. You know, I, I slightly agree and disagree with that. I, I think the way that they're telling this story is more interesting than anything they've told in years. Or That's, probably fair. That's but probably fair. I think Sword and Shield was a really engrossing storyline. I loved that story. Um, from beginning to end, I thought it was sure. a very solid for compare as compared to their other games. It was a very solid storyline. I'll always Excuse stand me. by the black and white and black and white two being some of the best storytelling Pokemon's ever done. It's never been bad. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's never been like, man, this really made me think about things in a different way or anything like that. I mean, it's sure it's been great for what it is. It's not asking know? big philosophical questions. <laughs> I mean, and it's actually, you know, the sometimes, last... yes, sometimes it is. I think black and white did actually ask. That's a probably lot. the is one, that the one with the, the post game. Noir detective. Yes. Stuff. That's that, uh, that was, no, was, or was that X and what was, that's which was diamond that? and pearl. That's diamond and pearl. Pretty sure it's not because I've not played I'm those. Fairly certain it is. There might be a detective in that as well, but like there was um, a. Black and white's the one with the the rival guy who's like, should we even be battling Pokemon? And that probably is the one asking the most profound questions about mm. this glorified dog fighting league. I mean, there there have been a lot of stories that have tackled this stuff. And yeah. the thing is, what bothers me is when people, and granted, this is not supposed to be a diatribe about this, but I'm going to do it really quickly. What bothers me is when people say that these games don't have great story. They've had decent to great story and they've had things to say it's all dependent on whether it resonates with you or not and that doesn't mean it's not a great story that just means it's telling a story that you aren't necessarily interested in and with this game to get back on topic with this game that i think the storytelling in this and this is what you're saying rich is really awesome because it isn't stuck in the typical loop that Pokemon games are stuck in, where you're going from town to town and you're solving these pro- these small problems there, or you're just getting another gym badge, it's very different. You're 
helping this one main settlement while you're helping these other much smaller adjacent settlements. And it all um, funnels back into this main settlement, which is trying to just better this area. And you, you are leading the guard for trying to change the narrative here. And that's something we talked about earlier last week. We said that one of the things I said is I really like this game because people actually fear Pokemon. They're afraid of it. Pokemon. And it makes sense. When you see a fucking alpha Rapidash running through a meadow, something that towers over you, yeah, you're going to be fucking fearful of it. That thing could kill you. Um, or in this world, make you faint, I guess. And but, yet no one reacts when I throw my Steelix out in Town Square. Right, exactly. <laughs> but what you're doing in this game as the main character is you're, help, you're helping the people realize that Pokemon and people have to work together. Otherwise, neither, are, are, neither species are going to grow, essentially. And there's a way that both can benefit each other. Now, that has some deeper, deeper implications for something like what's happening in the world right now with environmental awareness, with climate change, with um, animals' natural habitats being destroyed. And the thing is, when people say, like, oh, th these stories aren't interesting, it's like, well, A, you're just being a lazy fuck and you don't care. Um, which, I mean, that's not interesting analysis to say, oh, Stories in Pokemon have always been shit. No, that's not true at all. But also, this game inadvertently, in my mind, is tackling one of the biggest issues that is fame facing the U or not the U.S. the world right now, and it's doing it in a very lighthearted way. And to say that like, oh, this is shit in my eyes, and this is not representative of the the other two or Sorchomp in general. But in, in, for me, is that you're basically saying well, he speaks for all of us. I do, is fuck the environment, fuck a, a game trying to talk about it, I just want to catch Pokemon. And that's fine. If that's what you're looking to do here, that's fine. I mean, that's all I came into this game wanting to do, and I got the added benefit of an interesting narrative that is exploring some real-world problems right now. I mean, if that's true, why isn't Danny DeVito in this telling me about trees? <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> but he is in this game. Danny DeVito actually is going to be on this podcast to talk about Pokemon Legends Arceus. Hey, Danny, boys. come on in. Hey, boys, thanks for having me on. It's me, Danny DeVito. I, one of my favorite things that I love doing is banging whores. <laughs> oh, shit. Frank, you dropped... Or not Frank, sorry. Danny, you dropped something. <laughs> Oh, no, it's my monster condom that I use for my magnum dong. There it is. There it is. I knew we'd get there quickly. But um, yeah, I, I think the story is really strong. And the way they're telling the story where basically you have the main quests, but you have all these side quests that filter so well into the main story. Not all of this, the side quests are really that interesting. Some of them are frustrating. Some of them, like, uh, the, what, by, 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 what is it called? The stupid otter Pokemon? Uh, Boozeal? Boozeal, yeah. That, like, that I mean, quest. I hated that quest. I, but, that one was easy for me, but I'm fully willing to admit that I lucked out in just catching an alpha Boozeal and, uh, being done with that right away. Right. Mm. Some, some of the quests are a little bit frustrating. Some of them are very bare bones, but they all filter into some of the same basic 
concepts and principles of the game, which basically means that you're going to be filling out your Pokedex, which is helping this part of the Pokemon world. You know, you are helping you you are helping build the bridges between Pokemon and people in this game, and I think it's it's handled so well just by the storytelling. You know, it's really cool to know, guys, uh, now thanks to this game, re- I guess retroactive truthing. Mm. Uh, Professor Oak originally states that the Pokedex is an invention of his, so it's cool to know that he's a fucking liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would be the fucking cool, coolest twist if at the end of this game you learn that you've been playing as Professor Oak the whole time? Even if it was like you designed a woman character and you learn that he got a sex change? amazing twist here's the thing and i'm not gonna get too far into this because i don't want to get into spoilers for this game i haven't finished it i don't know that something like this is true there have you guys seen the celebi pokemon movie i think it's like pokemon forever or something no that movie sets a precedent in which ash time travels and hangs out with professor oak as a kid so something like that being the reality of this game is not off the table that's what I'm saying, man. It's possible. And if they get if if they they had the balls to do something like that, I would probably buy a second copy. One of my um, <laughs> I wanted to, uh, yeah, me too. Uh, I wanted to touch on this <laughs> while we were talking about like fleshing out the village and stuff like that, and you know, obviously adding Pokemon to it. Uh, I don't know if either of you have done this side quest yet, but. It's one of my favorite things to have in the village now at this point. There's a side quest that involves, at one point, one of the guards um, has a Mr. Mime. So yes. now, by the guard oh. gate all the time when I'm leaving, you just see a Mr. Mime just doing the wall, like, doing reflect. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, keep up the good work, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a really good job of protecting the front gate. Oh Mr. God. Mime's a, a good you, choice uh, to be your, your gate, uh, right? <laughs> If at some point during this game you don't try to go through that gate and just plow into an invisible wall and fall on your ass, they have absolutely missed an opportunity. Well, you'll have to pl- you'll have to play. <laughs> you'll that have side to play. Quest. Um, yeah, we won't spoil that for you because yeah. I did that side quest too. It's a lot of so fun. So did I. The other thing I wanted to ask you guys is if you've seen the best Mr. Mime uh, idle animation in the game yet. No, maybe if, if if you have a Mr. Mime and throw him out of his Pokeball, one of his idle animations is genuinely the best thing i've ever seen he sits down puts his feet up in a recliner opens a beer and puts it in a cup holder <laughs> that's pretty awesome <laughs> i'm like he's watching the big game look at him yeah i th- i think they you know as per our discussion recently about which pokemon was <laughs> fuck who i think that uh this oh, game was that has... reason it was um this game has done some work to make sure Mr. Mime doesn't seem as creepy. And I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, I just saw an Alpha Raichu, sorry. Um, I need to Are stop you playing really this playing game. You're hosting the show! <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing... Dude, we Rich, have, have you not playing. noticed him staring off into nowhere this entire time? Like, I made this joke last week. Yeah. And, I mean, he, and he just, a- he thought that, oh, that was such a good joke. That no one would ever suspect after that call out last week that I would play Pokemon the entire next show. Completely fucking. I can't up. help it. I'm so addicted. No, um, 
you know, okay, I'll pause it for real. But <laughs> <laughs> I really did pause it. Even though, Rich, I just saw you hop on. What do you mean? <laughs> That's how good this game is that we can't fucking put it down. Um, but I like one of the things I really like about this game that I wanted to talk with you guys about is I love the way that they populate this game because initially I was like other fans and whatnot was thinking this game would be like is just everywhere the world is teeming with Pokemon like you could see um this Pokemon run across the road and there is a large part of that but there are also some areas where Pokemon are less dense. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I'm really happy for that, because if you think about, um, granted, Pokemon is not a real world, but it a lot of the real world, ha and there's a lot of scientific influence in these games, that it, if there were a Pokemon literally everywhere, it wouldn't make sense. Because if you go out in the nature, you don't have fucking... Deer running across the road everywhere, squirrels butt-fucking each other everywhere, things like that. You know, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but you get the point. There, yeah. there, isn't, there aren't animals just literally fucking everywhere. And, and the behaviors of ones that are everywhere do make more sense. Like, they even make reference to the fact of, like, something like a Bidoof, which, you know, they're like beaver, but let's say they're more comparable to, like, a raccoon or something. Like, those are the Pokemon they make reference to being a problem because they keep wandering into the village and, like, making a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like the fact, like, that's a small attention to detail that I personally really appreciate coming from my background. Yeah, no, it's nice that when some of them see you, they run away, and when others see you, they attack. Like, it's... it's and it's, that is one of the first things they teach you about, just, like, these different... Yeah, yeah, like, right off the type, bat. Like, these ones kinda, are aggressive, these ones are yeah, skittish. Like, literally, they, they frame it so you walk into one that whenever you see whenever it sees you it just kind of it doesn't do anything like it's just Spoiler chill. alert it's bidoof bidoof's the stupid one yeah it just kind of sits there stares at you and then wanders off psyduck as well yeah but but like specifically right out the gate there's almost no you you can't not see him first and then right, right after that they kind of give you uh starly and shinks um Right after that, so one that's going to attack you and one that's going to run away from you, like right, kind of give you the gambit right off the bat, and there are variations on that afterward, kind of depending on whether they're physical or special attackers and stuff like that, and and their own unique personalities. Um, but yeah, like it just, it feels way more satisfying to like interact with them. Um, directly and that they did this in sword and shield to an extent um as well that with that I, I think i think worked really well where mm. in the um, wild areas yeah. yeah in the wild areas it's just that they, they wouldn't attack you directly they you know you'd get into a fight whereas in this one they'll knock you on your ass <laughs> like you specifically not not pull you into a fight um but like you know with your pokemon like actually attack you which is neat and a very different change um exactly i I'd like that's one other thing i kind of wanted to talk about from last week that i had mentioned that i think i was wrong about is i had said that and rich you had mentioned this last week as well that the game i was saying the game doesn't feel that difficult combat wise and it definitely starts ramping up later on in the game 
Um, the game's gotten a lot harder since uh, the initial area that I was in. I feel you can get knocked on your ass if you're not careful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like they, um, they, even in that first area, they kind of most of the fights very easy, but they also throw enemies in that opening area that are like level forty and fifty that will yeah. just kill you. Um, yes, you can yeah. wander off the beaten path and get destroyed rather easily. Yeah, and I mm. really like that that they just give you that ability. That's something I've not seen. The games are scared to do that recently. Like it's it's nice seeing a game do something like that. To have that moment of oh I should not be here yet. Yeah. Or or like it's even not even a matter of I shouldn't be here. It's just I need to be really careful around this one. Cause like all the other Pokemon in the area, still my level. Uh and, and also the the idea of like, well, yeah, I can't really engage with this thing, but if I'm really careful, I could sneak up on it and I might be able to catch it. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, which yeah. which is the other thing. It's nice that uh once you're locked on, you can actually tell whether or not you can catch a Pokemon. Um, cause the yes, l- that little meter of how yeah. your success rate basically is yes. really handy. So, so you know and don't get yourself in over your head, which I did a few times before I realized exactly how that meter worked. I'm like, oh, that big, big red X means I have no chance. I, I cannot catch this Pokemon. Yeah, right. I, sh- I should leave this thing alone. Um, and a, a large part of that, like that red X is due to them actually... You know, they're looking to attack you. They're on the offensive at that point, or they're on the defensive and they're about to run away. And there's just. Well, no, no, no not, not the one like up in the middle of the screen, but when, once you're locked on. Yeah. It'll show an icon that's. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a red X. It means they're either on the offensive or they're full on in flea mode. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, it also means they can't be caught yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's means, what we're saying. The ball, yeah. the ball won't work if they're on the offensive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. We're saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah. We're just like an expansion upon that. But um, I, yeah, I do really like that. And th- there are some really good quality of life changes about this game that I don't see how they ever go back to the main series without it. Like that is one of the big quality of life changes yeah. is exactly I, what Josh yeah. just mentioned. Very much fear they will. I, yeah, no, I kind of assume we're going to be going back to a pretty standard RPG from here but i don't know i don't know it's hard to say like frankly i'd like some more rpg in this in places um hmm. like i think there could be way more combat challenges um in the main game like just just (laughs) fighting like trainer fighting and i get from a story perspective why that doesn't make any real sense here um if Reddit leaks are to be believed, come April, we will be getting a Battle Tower expansion, so... Yeah, and you see, I like that. Like, I I kind of feel like, in a lot of ways, you're... the. I've not thought about the Pokemon I carry around with me being my team in the same way that they are in every other Pokemon game, where it's like, oh, this is, this is my team of Pokemon. That no, because you're get... more thinking, I should be trying to evolve this Pokemon. Yeah, it's, it's I'm carrying data. around absolutely everything because I want to level up this and evolve this other thing and complete my Pokedex. I'm exploring, and I really like that. Um, I don't know, I don't know. That might be style. enough. That might, that might just be enough for this sort of a game. It's just, I kind of feel like, 
once I do all that exploration, I'm gonna. I kind of feel like I'm gonna want some challenge to go do if, with with all that. I feel like there well, should be an ultra late game, like an after well, everything sort of thing. And granted, I'm not even there, so who's to say? But I, I. That's something I think MMOs do pretty well. Is give you this feeling that you could do anything out in this world. You can screw around, do exploration crafting socializing but there's this end game thing that you can kind of collapsing that can kind of go um all your progress has something to do with this end game big bad fight that you can go get into which is a neat sort of a feeling to that leveling um Mm. whereas in this um it doesn't it doesn't feel the same way i don't i don't feel like that i have this great need to level up a perfect party in this game um and maybe maybe this game just doesn't need that it it could very well just kind of be its own side thing but i'd be interested to see just a complete hybrid of the main series combat focus and something like this i I feel the need to level up just because when I see the alpha that I want to catch, mm. if my Pokemon's not high enough level, then I'm kind of fucked. Because well, yeah, like you need a high level Pokemon. You need more for... than a. You well, need like especially when you get to the really high level alphas. Um, like they'll be level sixty five to six sixty nine, even seventy. You need a full party because those things can wipe. Like even if your Pokemon oh, yeah, is yeah. strong against them. They can still wipe your ass out in one one hit just because they're they're the alpha level version of that, and the, so like I'm I'm trying to say that there for me I've still felt like there is an incentive but not as much in the traditional sense which is what you're saying and I completely agree with you on that, um, yeah I I mean this this game is less centered around the combat and. Yes, I don't feel as much of a strategy here per se, but I do still feel the one thing I do disagree with you on is I feel just as much of a connection with my Pokemon and in some ways more in this one than I do in previous games because I'm throwing them out there. They're out there in the world keeping you alive against stuff that actually wants to kill you, which I think is really cool. But also, I need a couple strong Pokemon with me, and then the rest of my spots are for leveling and doing other random exploration yeah, type stuff. It's, it's that handful that's always with you. Yeah, like I've got my starter, and then like a couple others that I want to keep leveled, and that's mm. that's kind of enough. Like my sweet Gudra. I, I need my party strong enough to not get me killed. Is kind of like all all I need out of it. I don't feel like I need to power level this thing because of some big threat off on the horizon it's it's more about staying alive um yeah that that is one of the things that is a little bit confusing about the game i think i would say is that when you're fighting the fights with people um and i'm trying to be vague there because i don't want to spoil who you're fighting and why you're fighting them that they feel severely underpowered to anything i run into in the world oh yeah like i've been much more scared of the alpha pokemon just wandering the world because they can be however many levels higher than you, whereas any, you know, fight with a trainer you get into in the world is basically story-wise set to be pretty easy to get through. 
Um, well, yeah, I th- I think it even like you're right, and I think it goes a bit beyond that even to where when I'm fighting the trainers, it feels like they're idiots. Like where the alpha Pokemon, they're just trying to fucking kill me, and I f- I feel yeah. that there's a level of deadliness to them well, because it- they are trying to kill me. Whereas it's like when I run into a trainer, they're trying to use strategy, and the strategy sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. There's a weird disconnect with the trainers, and actually, I'm hoping it's intentional, and that that rumored Battle Tower expansion is real, and that it's going to address part of that, because, Josh, I'm not sure if you would have seen this yet, but there's a certain point, and it almost, like, bothered me a little bit, where you'll be fighting other trainers, and they'll just send out two Pokemon at once, Yeah, but you still mm-hmm. only send out one, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And yeah. yeah. I'm hoping they like address that head on if they do if this battle tower expansion is real and I hope a big part of it is that hey we're building this battle tower where you can challenge yourself but also like there's got to be rules to how we because Pokemon battling is like a new concept in this world yeah so, like, kinda, there's yeah. got to be rules and regulations to how yeah, we do that, this yeah that's that's another thing like it kind of helps to building the world um, a the trainers can do that but b if you just start a fight with some Pokemon that could be like surrounded by other Pokemon, they'll just all start fighting you. Yeah. Um, which is and it really sometimes. neat. It's really neat that that's not something I've ever worried about in a Pokemon game. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, most I, you were going to really get a double that. battle and then you'd get two Pokemon as well. Mm hmm. It's like if, when you run into those space time distortions. I'm always very careful about what I attack because I've had I've had situations where I'm fighting something or I'm going to fight something because I want to capture it and suddenly fucking three of its buddies yeah. are just palling around and I get my ass destroyed. Dude, that's why I don't fight in those things. In the grass, throwing smoke bombs everywhere, just moving <laughs> as I toss smoke bombs. I need to stay in the fog just throwing Pokeballs everywhere. It's the same understand. reason... When you were talking about it. fighting alphas, I just don't do it, man. When I see an alpha, I go 500 yards away, and then I leave a trail of smoke bombs as I slowly approach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Yeah, no, I always keep a cardboard box around, specifically yeah. for that. Yeah. I... I... Don't know how you get alphas, then, unless you fight some of them, because they're such I, high level. I, uh throw the smoke bombs on the ground, and then I hit him in the back with a gigaton ball. Works pretty much every time. A what? T- a what? Gigaton ball. I haven't gotten a gigaton ball. That What's is that? the the third iteration of the heavy ball. Oh, uh, It's basically ooh. an ultra heavy ball. Dope, I need to get that. Is that... What level are you right now, Rich? Uh, like my, eight my, star? Nine star? Uh, I th- believe I am eight star. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's like... That's another good topic to talk about. One of the things, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is as you catch more Pokemon and fill more challenges, you level up your you level up your trainer level essentially, which allows you to. They're kind of like the gym badges. I think they, they might call yes. it a research level. Yeah, it might be a research level. It's something but like yes. that. It's either research or or like your. It's it's your literal stars it's, it's, as a yeah, member of Team Galaxy. Yeah, it's your rank in the in the thing, but I don't I don't remember the exact name they use for it. Anyway, you, you it is literally like you are a seven star scout for the Team yes. Galaxy. Yeah, 
Right. And that and you know what, Josh, you're you're pretty much right. It's essentially a gym badge where it allows you to it has the same effect, yeah. Yes, you get control you can, yeah, you Pokemon control up to higher a level. certain level. And yeah. you get more access to different kinds of poke Pokemon. Yeah, it, it unlocks new stuff in the shops and crafting options as well, which is uh It's essential really, the further really you get into the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like you, you need some of that stuff or you can't do um you can't capture Pokemon later in the game, so you definitely need that ability. Yeah, I haven't gotten that that yet. I you've probably done more grinding than I have, Rich. I've done a lot more exploration than grinding. I think nine hundred percent of what I'm doing is just I'm gonna hang out and meet like I dude, I've caught so many Pokemon and just <laughs> grinded shit out. Like I, I it's just so it's almost mindless, but I just love it. I sit with my switch in my hand in my recliner got some netflix on or something or i'm listening to a podcast and i'm, I'm just catching pokemons no mm -hmm. i respect it dude because like the whole time what i've been doing is i go to each new area and i just try and catch alphas the whole time that's all i've been doing that works fucking... from an experience standpoint like you you don't get your research level up as much but those things give you so much experience that you're, you'll you'll stay more than leveled fighting yeah. and the, you get a lot of money the alphas when you, you turn that stuff oh yeah yeah too. yeah they drop a bunch of stuff that's worth worth money yeah. yeah which, which that's cool. It's cool that they give you options of how to get through the game. It's not just one one way and like you're kind of forced into it. I I do like that. Exactly. It's not shoehorning you into playing with one style or you don't feel compelled like I can't get any further unless I defeat this gym. It's like it's never yeah. like that. It's it's that like to be honest mm -hmm. with you, that's one of the things that amazes me so much about this game is like they've really nailed down the concept of open world in a Pokemon game and they've made it fascinating enough to where it keeps me wanting to play. Yeah. I'm not I'm not bored. Yeah, I think I'm some of these are lessons they've I'm learned. Not fucking bored. Yeah, I some of these are lessons they've learned in the mainline series as well, with like giving you more ways to get experience. Like mm. with with getting experience when you catch Pokemon, which used to not happen for a long time, uh, which was frustrating. Like you'd get in a fight, and it's just as much work for you to catch a Pokemon, but you don't get anything for it. Okay, uh, we just actually had some uh, technical difficulties there. We are fully transparent. We had to uh, briefly stop recording. I know it's kind of a weird breaking the fourth wall thing there in a way, but um, we're gonna try and jump back into the best of our ability to the conversation, and instead of uh, pausing and doing everything we're just going to kind of do it on the fly which is something that we don't normally have to do so if there's any kind of weird like oh well they started on this topic and they didn't really finish it that's why you know and then maybe we forgot something. where we were at yeah, yeah we were rambling a little bit but um no i do remember what we were talking about before the technical issues just happened that we were kind of talking about um changes that have been made in this game to be more beneficial for playing it and uh just for the series as a whole and one of the things that we kind of briefly mentioned that i think would be interesting to talk about is that you feel more a part of this world like you guys said because you can run away from any battle and that makes so much sense and honestly i i mean there's a positive and a negative to that the positive being that um you're not going to die and the fact that you do feel like you are a part of this massive open world. 
The downside of that is combat feels much easier. You don't feel like Pokemon are going to get a lucky or a second chance swipe at you because you're trying to run away. Which, you know, downplay, or doesn't downplay, it unfortunately doesn't make the combat feel as challenging. But I think overall, that's a benefit. That you can just be like, fuck it, I'm not battling anymore. And mm-hmm. you can just run away. I think Failing that's... is always a benefit. Yeah, and it, it, it's... I think, I think especially from like just a feel perspective, it, it makes you feel way more connected to the world that you can run away whenever. The other side of that, Pokemon run away way more often in this game than in previous games. That used to be a thing where like, oh, there's, there's, this, is, this one's the pain to catch because it's one of the three or four, like just handful of Pokemon that runs Scaredy away. Scaredy cats. Yeah. Whereas in this game, a good chunk of them, a good chunk of them will just run away if you get into a fight with them. Um, it's not just that too. It's honestly, Josh, as you get further in the game, if you're a much higher level than them, mm-hmm. a lot of them will know that and choose not to pursue you. Like, if you have a level 50 yeah. Pokemon, and you're going to catch a level 5 Pokemon, they're going to be like, I ain't fucking with you. Fuck this. I'm running away. Like, I know I'm going to yeah. get decimated here. Why would I stay and allow that to happen? I think that's really cool, because it shows some kind of, like, deeper intelligence with the Pokemon that you're yeah. trying to catch or you're trying to battle. They can see the HUD, too. <laughs> exactly. Um, they're aware i yeah i just i really like it i i feel so much more connected to the world itself in this pokemon game um whereas in a lot of the other ones i like i'm like really connected to my character or whatever and my journey going through to do all this stuff your party yeah it whereas in this one i feel like i'm exploring this world and i'm way more invested in the world itself uh than you know specifically my part in it uh yes absolutely absolutely yeah that's that's such a nice thing and um yeah what what are some other major quality of life changes that you guys feel like really benefit this game uh, are there any other major ones quest log uh, has there been a quest log in the other ones i'm trying to remember if there was a quest log no. in i don't think so but i don't think there's really a need for it well yes ish Normally, the other que- like side quests don't show up until end game type stuff, but I felt like it was really easy to lose track of all those different random side quests Threads. that you get. Yeah. yeah, and keep track of them all. It's it's a very vague side quest log in this, and I like that. It's not go here, do exactly this, and you get your award. It's mm. somebody wants this specific thing, go find it. And I think that's a much more rewarding way to give out quests. Um, And to encourage exploration in the ways that are entertaining. Exactly, exactly. Um, I think think it works really well, but having that list so you don't forget who you've talked to and, you know, just completely drop something because you forgot it is, is really nice. Well, it's also neat because it, it's led to the way I play this game is like when I, you know, have an hour here or there or whatever and I log into it, I, first thing I do is pull up that quest log and I dash over to the requests, which are the side quests, and I just read everything and go, okay, do any of these look like I could knock them out real quick? Yeah. 
and like yeah sometimes they're real simple it's like oh he wants this pokemon i'm like okay i know where that is i'll go there and i'll grab one hmm mm-hmm. yeah it's I, I i like that i like that i like a lot of the side missions in the game i know we kind of talked about that a little bit but i yeah. really do they're mindless but i enjoy that well not all of them a lot of them are mindless but i enjoy that some of them, I think we alluded to it last time. I will go no further than alluding again. That Drifloon quest is just great. <laughs> that Drifloon quest is great, and then the mm. Buizel quest it stands in opposition to what <laughs> some of these quests can do. Because um, I, I don't mind spoiling this because it's not like if you consider this a spoiler, you need to check yourself. But basically, there's a quest where this guy wants a Buizel of a certain height or larger. And I think we talked about this last week, too. We did. Yeah. Because I had already done it by that point. Right. And it's very difficult to find one that fits the profile. Basically, you have to get an alpha Pokemon. And it took me hours. Like, out of the 40-plus hours I've played, probably a good five hours was me searching for an alpha Buizel. And I'm, and not, on the, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. That's and the, how and on the other me. end of the spectrum of that quest, I did it by accident. Yeah, so um, I, I do like overall, like what Josh is saying, though, I like that there is a little um, a quest log for you to keep track of. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that a lot. I think it's it's a welcome addition to the game. Yeah, and it's not that intrusive. Some, something that was missing as well. Um, you can track quests, but kind of like I said before, most of them don't really have any way markers that you need. It's just a matter of knowing what thing to go out and find. Some of them, some of them have way markers. Like you, you need to talk to the specific person, and so it'll, you know, put a marker over their head so you can find them a little more easily um, when you need to go turn it in. But you can only have one of them active at a time, so it's not like um, I'm gonna pick up a bunch of quests and then have UI fucking everywhere. You know, just all of a sudden I'm the playing bab a never feels. Game overwhelmed Uh, but it does also have that same thing breath of the wild had where there's like a a selection of custom pins you can drop on the map which is nice yes yeah um i I, Mm. yeah i I really like those little changes to make it easier on you but not just mindless um like this has always kind of been in a lot of the other pokemon games like whoever wants a specific Pokemon, find one and you can trade it to them for whatever. Um, it's been a thing for a long time, but it was just like a, if you want to, it's not a big deal. It's you have the option to come back and do this. If you remember, you probably won't. No one's going to remember this person hours later by the time you actually, this also feels so much more personal because it's not a trade. It's just like a person in your town being like, I really like Geodude. Can you get me a Geodude? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you, or you even have people who are like, I'm starting to try and like lose my fear of Pokemon. I'm interested in this Pokemon. Yeah. When you learn about it, can you show me the Pokedex entry? And that's what kind of shapes the story yeah. for me is that it's, it's basically saying, yeah, you are, form- you are, you are formulating this Pokedex and you are helping other people overcome their fear, which, again, I mean, goes back into what we were talking about earlier with the story, so I don't mm-hmm. want to retread that too much. But, yeah, I, I love that aspect of the game, that it, it all folds back into that. Um, one of the things I want to talk about 
is, and it's something we talked about last week, and I wanted to talk about it again because I've slightly changed my thoughts on it, largely the same, but slightly changed, is the graphics. A lot of people are complaining about the graphics of this game, saying that this game should look better than it does, and that there are some issues with that. Now, I... Yeah, I agree. Rich typed something privately that we can't say on the podcast because it is a spoiler, but I agree wholeheartedly. Um, sorry for that, listeners. <laughs> but uh, anyways, graphics are something that do need to be talked about because in the first area, it's not super noticeable that the graphics are not great. I think when you're times. in water, it, it's a lot more noticeable. You, yes, when you're by, like, ocean area, it's very noticeable. When you start getting into further areas, it becomes more and more noticeable. And for me, it hasn't been that detracting. That's where I, I largely have the same opinion as I did last week. But where I do think that I think the, the graphic issues are a major problem are draw distances. And I think that's something that they really, I, I don't understand w- why and how they put a product like this out with the draw distances being as bad as it is. And what I mean by that, um, for anybody who doesn't understand that concept, basically it's when you're looking far enough into the distance and you see a Pokemon far away, how far away? How is far it? away something can be rendered, basically. Right. Essentially, Yes. And that can manifest in multiple ways. That can manifest in when a Pokemon pops up on the screen, which are times where you can see a Pokemon really far away, and there are other times when it just like you're maybe two meters away from it, and then it just pops up in front of you, and you're either you've either scared away a Pokemon or you're fighting a Pokemon that you didn't intend to. Or the other way it manifests is when you see something like a flying Pokemon far in the distance, and the the movement is so robotic and rigid that it looks like it came straight out of a PS2 video game. Yeah, This is a common trick in a lot of games is the frame rate tied to distance in order to make sure that you don't get overloaded by stuff that's too far away to notice. But they missed the mark on this one, especially in town it's noticeable because there's very little in town that is outside of render distance but it's it's out at the two frames a second range as far as how their animations play. Um, and that's really noticeable, um, especially by comparison. Like, one of the wor- weirdest spots is right at the beginning of the game. You go down the main street of the town. Everyone's out there to see this new fucking weirdo who wandered into town. And so you've got like a wall of NPCs all at different frame rates as they go down the street. Like the ones at the back waving robotically or whatever. It's like it showcases how they're optimizing the the thing in in a way that's just kind of funny. Like, um, I can't imagine they need the performance boost there in town where you can't get into fights and there's not going to be surprises. And there's no risk of you hopping on one of the mounts to be flying through there. There should be some sort of option to toggle that thing off and on for different zones so it doesn't pop up when it's going to be super noticeable. Um, There's there's a bunch of stuff like that. Um, Absolutely. Just just minor, minor things that 
the way they're handled is not graceful. No. One of the other things I noticed about this game is that there are moments where I'm looking at a character in one scene where we're talking. And this is another thing a lot of people have mentioned too, is you're looking at a character and they're talking in one scene or you're interacting with them out in the world. And then another scene, the fucking graphics or frame rate just takes a noticeable nosedive and they look noticeably worse in another scene. And the cutscenes are the main culprit or not culprit They're Maybe that is the right word. They, the, that word works. The most, they're the most noticeable when you are in a cutscene. That mm-hmm. there are some issues with the graphics. Um, yeah. And especially some of the faces just look fucking atrocious during some of those cutscenes. And yeah, look, yeah, I don't want to be there's... like everyone else and shitting on this game for that because that's not why I came to this game in the first place, which is why I said I largely have the same opinion or similar opinion that I did last week. But. It is concerning that a $60 game from one of the biggest IPs out there has a game that looks this bad, objectively. That, that is a little concerning. Regardless if it's not a main entry, why, yeah. why, why does it look this objectively bad at a $60 price tag from one of the biggest... From, from someone who should know better working on this platform. I mean, they, they got... The Witcher 3 port looking mighty fine on a Switch for everything it, it, going on on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good point. It's one it, of those things where it, it doesn't, like, I almost give it a pass. Not even necessarily a pass, but, like, just, I love everything else about this so much more that, like, this is not something I would ever harp on. But it it is, we it's noticeable. Like, it doesn't really detract for me because it just doesn't like i'm having yeah, fun regardless but the game is optimized for like certain distances and whatnot like the, the your battle distances like everything runs great in there but like I, th- I think part of it is the way it's probably the way it's coded to handle a lot of those frame rate things is not done well and i'm sure it's swapping models and stuff like that as well uh this is this is an extremely common thing in a basically every game so you'll notice this a lot um, if you're OCD and play too many video games like me, where a lot of times distances for things are calculated from the camera, not from the character, mm. uh, mm-hmm. which is really noticeable because your lock-on in this game, so you can see stuff, is distance-based. Like, oh, you can't lock on to stuff from that far away. But if you swing your camera, so instead of being in the middle of your screen where you'd think you'd lock on, the Pokemon's right at the corner, so you swung your camera as close as you can possibly get to that Pokemon. You can then lock on to them, which that's that's not unique to this game. That sort of thing happens all the time. But I'm wondering if some of that like camera distance based stuff is is happening during certain cutscenes. Like for a moment, the camera's too far away, and so it swaps in a lower res model or or something weird like that, or it mm. switches to a lower frame rate. Like there's it seems like there are too many opportunities for that, for their optimization to hurt them whenever it's trying to do something other than just play the game. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly why it is that, um, that it has these issues from time to time, but it, it is for some people going to be noticeable. 
it isn't for me. Like ex exactly what Rich said. That's not why I came to this game. That's not what's keeping me in this game. But there are times where it's 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 pretty fucking bad. <laughs> you know, there there are moments. Where if it's anything, like, it's brought yeah. me some joy because sometimes something so weird happens, I just can't help but stop oh, yeah. and laugh at it. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because like the art design's absolutely one hundred percent there. Like the 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 shading they're doing to make these Pokemon mm. pop the way they do looks great. The vistas generally like they've done a great job designing the landscapes and the skies that you see in the game mm -hmm. looks great the, the, all all the potential is there yeah yeah but and then that... just like some of the performance stuff the like the, the way it technically runs is kind of where it gets held back that like starry night sky in the like snowy tundra area is one of the like like it's a great it's gorgeous landscape. yeah yeah yeah, they like a lot of them look like they're watercolor paintings for the sky. Well, that's what that's what it was originally. It was supposed to be a game that looks very watercolored. Yeah, yeah, and... it's like it's it's a gorgeous art style when it's not just chugging along or shitting the bed somewhere. Right, right. Thankfully, there are no Pokemon that shit in my bed. Mm -hmm. but... Just Munchlax, but I think he's dying. <laughs> I'm willing <laughs> to know. give him a pass. Yeah, we'll allow it. He's but... been sick for a long time, you guys. Yeah. There, there were some other things that I'm spacing, and I should have should have written them down that I wanted to talk about this game, but I think we kind of nailed the main points of yeah. the game. I, I do want to say this. I think this is honestly the most fun I've had in a Pokemon game since probably. I, I mean, I really love Sword and Shield a lot, but I think it's the most fun I've had since Pokemon Coliseum. To be honest with you, I loved the shit out of Pokemon Coliseum. I really wanted to love the shit out of Pokemon Coliseum. You didn't like it? I, I wouldn't say I didn't like it, because I did enjoy it. Um, I referenced it earlier, actually, in saying like how I think this is a start improvement over that. I mm. loved the visual and like the story setup of Pokemon Coliseum. I just wish it had given me more freedom, because like, th that game's problem mm. is like, no, you, you can only catch these specific Pokemon. And, Wait, like, are you... I, th I don't think we're thinking the same game. Pokemon Coliseum is like the mini-game game. No, that's Pokemon Stadium. Sorry, Stadium. That's the one I was thinking. I'm the one that's mixed up. There we go. I yeah. Excellent try, idiot. Yeah, I'm a fucking loser. <laughs> God yeah. doesn't even fucking know what Pokemon Coliseum is. Yeah, no, I was thinking of, sorry, Pokemon Stadium, you're right. Yeah, where two Pokemon enter and one Pokemon leaves. Yeah, Pokemon Coliseum, totally different thing. You have to start with an Umbreon and an Espeon in that game, and all battles are double battles. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, you're right. That I never played Pokemon Coliseum. I was thinking of Stadium. But um, this game is super, super fun. There is so much to do in this game. There's so much to like about this game. And I think if, if you are looking for like the highest fidelity graphics style game, I don't know why you would want to play this game in the first place because Pokemon has never really truly been that. I mean, the closest yeah, we got it, to that was Sword and Shield. Yeah, it's never even really been a thing for them. Like, and that, we, I've mentioned this before, but like, just with the scope of these games, production has to be pared down to a manageable level. So you're, yeah. Like you've 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 gotta you've gotta put the effort where it's absolutely needed to get the thing off the ground in the first place with these games. Right. Sure. And I think I, for the most part yeah. they do a great job with that. It's just here and there the seams are really showing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
unfortunately at times it is really showing but i don't um, think weirdly enough like it, the bones are good enough that it kind of doesn't matter for the most part if you're in if you're, like it's telling for how entertaining a game is when it can be that rough on the seams and you just kind of don't care yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely i hope that there's some kind of patch to where it helps with the graphics i don't know if that's possible I hope. I mean, I think there is stuff that they could optimize on here because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It might be something really baked into the engine or something that is not an easy fix, but some of it, some of it seems like, you know, it's not, it's not completely out of the room of possibility with what we're mm. looking at, so. Right. Sure. Yeah. We'll see. We'll have to see what happens. Um, I, I think it's still a great game. I still think that there's a lot to like about this game and I think it's I think it's easily worth a $60 price tag. Oh yeah. to buy this game. Yeah, there's I I showing no signs of stopping and I've already put quite a bit of time into it. Like if I stopped now I would be comfortable with the amount of money I spent on it. Same, same to be honest with you. Mhm. Yeah, um yeah, I think I think that's pretty good for now like i said if we have any prevailing thoughts that we didn't get to this week we can kind of wrap it up with our final thoughts next week yeah for sure because we'll have more to say as i think rich and i will probably both finish the game by next week josh and then will as well and then Mm -hmm. we'll do a chomping after dark where instead of recapping the actual story we just take turns reading full pokedex entries i'd be okay with that Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no, I, uh, yeah, I think that's something we, sh- we could do it chomping after dark on, to be honest I, with you. I, it's got a narrative. I don't, I don't think it's off the table. Mm. Yeah, I'm not far enough in it to know whether that's worth discussing, discussing. It, but... It's a matter of when we're done, like, is it worth doing? Yeah. Like, but th- it has a narrative. I, I can confirm. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I like the narrative a lot. I think it has enough. I don't, I don't dislike it. I'm just I dis- like, I don't know. You heard me, Rich. Fuck. I the like fuck's it. the matter with you? <laughs> Goddamn asshole! Fuck. Goddamn piece of shit! You, you bitch! You dumb bitch! You stupid asshole! Fuck you! Bird! 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 <laughs> All right. Well, the other game we're going to talk about today, um, this will probably be very brief, is we're going to be talking really quickly about Solar Ash. Um, I've since finished that game, so Josh, we can actually have a full-on discussion about it. All right. And, um, I mean, minus, minus any spoilers, because I think you had mentioned that you would like to do a Chomping After Dark on that, so... Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's worth it. But. I think so, too. You know, having finished it, I, I definitely think Chomping After Dark should be in the cards, but... Um, yeah, I mean, like... I really like where the story goes. Just uh, will like, get this out of the way now. I like where the story goes because I was kind of expecting it to go there, but I wasn't disappointed that it went there, if that makes sense. You know, like, there, there's nothing unexpected about where where Ray ends up as a character at all, but I found it really fascinating that they still went there, as compared to when you, you consider their last game. Um, it, it's like, it's not out of the cards for them to go that way at all, because when, when you finish... This is really hard to talk about vaguely. Without spoilers. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, when you consider how 
Hyperlight Drifter ends, it's kind of like a, okay, I could see it going this way. And then when it does go that way, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That, that lines up with their other games. Or their other game, I should say. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Where, um, like, were you satisfied with where the game ended up going story-wise? Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think they did a really good job of... Like, I mean, we mentioned this before about how much more metaphorical everything is, like, very much directly tied to the big picture story they're trying to get across. Mm. Um, um, and so because of that, there's, like, a lot of... kind of... <sighs> foreshadowing as as far as like okay what what is actually the main conflict in this game because you're given like a big kind of nebulous goal at the beginning um but what what all that actually means what it entails what 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 is saving the world in the context of everything Mm. you're um you're presented with uh you start getting more and more pieces of that as you go through the game. And it does, it, it basically ends up where you, where you're expecting it to, but it's still done really well along the way. Um, as far as <laughs> it's so hard, not to, it's so hard not to spoil things in this game. Cause I like, I would, I like, I, I feel like it's absolutely worth just digging into to that big picture right type story that they're they're saying but again it's okay well yeah. how about this let's just stop there with the story wise and here's what i will say i think that i liked the ambiguity and the way the story was told in the first game a little bit more just yeah. because it was the the way they t- especially the way that Hyperlight's drift Hyperlight Drifters tour <laughs> I just had a brain for Hyperlight Drifters story is told was something that was very unique for me at that time where it was music and visual cues, nothing verbal. Yeah. And you just had to infer the story from there. I really liked that. That was something that was very unique and the story that is being told in that game is also fascinating as well, especially if you know mm-hmm. anything about the creator and kind of his own struggles in his life that how that translates to in game and what he's trying to approach by that experience and the same thing here is uh when you finish the game there are things that are easy to infer what the game is about and then there are some deeper hidden meanings that you kind of have to explore or discover on your own or even take away from your own experiences with the game. I I still really like the story a lot in Solar Ash, and I still think that it is a very important and interesting game. One of the things that I, I would say is probably not the strongest about the game, not that I dislike it, is that I feel like at times the combat, or no, sorry, not the combat, the, the, the movement in the game where Ray is this very fast-paced character, and you're kind of supposed to skate and fly through this game a la Sunset Overdrive, that there are times where it feels like 
the the gameplay or the combat is opposite to that and there mm-hmm. there are a lot of opportunities to where like you can freeze the time and hit the enemy in the right way kind of like a a vat system in a way not exactly but you know what i mean um you're slowing the time down to hit a creature but then there are other times where you have these uh these black evil manifestations that are trapping ray in this area or trapping her from making further progress and it's a puzzle and you have to figure it out Sometimes you have to do those at a fast pace and sometimes you don't. And it's more of like thinking about it methodically and it's kind of at odds with, with each other where you're fast paced moving with Ray and then suddenly you're slowing down trying to figure out this puzzle and they're butting heads. These two concepts at times, it's nothing egregious. Uh... I, I do feel like at times though, it is butting heads. Like the two concepts are butting heads with each other. Uh, I mean, yes, but that's the intention, mm. basically. I mean, like, the, the whole point is if they weren't there, you could hurry up and get your mission done, which is the whole thing. Like, what, planets on a clock, heading, you know, heading towards this black hole, black hole is heading towards it. It's hard, hard to say which, I imagine, the black hole's heading towards it. Mm. And... The bosses and all those individual areas in general are slowing you down. You're you're trying to just get everything back online, get your job done. Um mm. so you can accomplish what you're trying to um as quickly as possible. And in a few spots, like you say, they 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 slow you down. Like it's it is very unlikely that you will accidentally get some of these things first try. It's a matter of seeing where they're going to go, planning, trying it a couple times, planning your route so you can get through there and and hit everything in the time limit, which is interesting because it's some of the areas you have to go the fastest, but it slows you down the most because you've got to stop and plan out exactly how you're going to do it. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like it really kind of draws attention to that main conceit. Um, more by doing that um hmm. so yeah, it's, it's it's not a bad thing at the end of the day it's just like i do feel i did feel like at times it, it was at odds with each other yeah no i i think it, it absolutely is i just i feel like it's intentional it's just whether or not you know you're gonna bounce off of it at that point is still it's always a consideration like um bounce s- some games are uh they they go way harder with their we're going to really prove a point with this thing um than others and i feel like the way this game stops you in your tracks sometimes is is pretty hard like okay mm. stop fucking around and just flitting flitting around wherever pay attention to this do it the right way um right is is comes on pretty harsh after just breezing through areas and whatnot um mm. yeah so it it, it it does it has a good a, a very strong contrast to certain parts of the game yeah 
Yeah, and again, again, at the end of the day, it's not the biggest problem or anything like that for me personally. I don't mind. Um, but it is important to note that at times it is in, like you said, it's in contrast to, to itself. But um, I, I really enjoyed the bosses. I really enjoyed the movement overall. I enjoyed the combat. I, I really enjoyed the story. I think it is a really good game, and I think that it is a very gorgeous game as well. Oh, yeah. So I'm really glad that I spent the time that I did with it. Yeah. I hope, I hope you finish it, Rich, at some point. I, and I understand your feel, the, how, how you feel about the game. I, I do get that. Yeah, so. maybe. It's not something I'm in a rush to get back to at this point, but I'm not actively avoiding it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, yeah no, no. I just, Oh, it makes perfect sense. I'm, I mean, you have other things on your plate, so... Yeah. No problems there. Alright, well, let's go take a quick break. This podcast has actually surprisingly gone on a lot longer than I thought it was gonna. But um, let's go take a quick break, and then we'll do the social media polls. So, we will be right back. Anyone need to take a quick break, or just right back into it? Let's just power through. That's what she said. All right, Can we please just finish. All right, we're back. Uh, we're gonna talk about our social media polls that we did this week. Which, uh, if you don't know what that is, every Tuesday at the Sorchom Instagram, you can head over there and you can vote on our social media polls that we put up every week. We try and usually keep it close to being pertinent to the topic at hand. Sometimes. Sometimes it uh not quite you know there, but recently I've been trying to do a better job of that, you know, not just doing random ass shit, actually keeping it more pertinent to what we're talking about. So let's get into the polls. So the first one. Is this the best Pokemon game of all time? And our fans voted fifty-eight percent yes. I'm sorry. 58% of people voted, oh, hell yeah. And uh, 42% of people said, nah. That's higher than I expected. Really? Yeah. What, what do you mean? The, the yes or the no's are the higher yeses than you expected? The much higher than I expected. <sighs> no, Every that's time the you Pokemon. do those versus the field things, I expect it to be almost no one. It's because everyone's going to have a pet favorite. But, yeah, no, uh, the correct answer is the Pokemon trading card game for the Game Boy. <laughs> I don't think a single person's gonna agree with you on that. Yeah, I don't even agree with me on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad there's some sense to to yourself. But um, yeah, it's Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. <laughs> fuck out of here. Yeah, how do you guys feel? Do you guys feel like this is the best Pokemon game to date? Uh, I think it's too early to say. I, yeah, I'm I'm too early to say. I I need to sit with it for a while. Hours into it it's yeah it's certainly the most fun i've had with a pokemon game in a long time but mm. uh who knows if i'm going to come out the other end of it still feeling that way yeah yeah kind of like i said I, I don't know if i'm gonna get to the end game and be like why am i still doing this whereas I, there's still so much for me to explore at this point that i'm going to be wanting to explore all of it for a lot lot longer but as far as mm. Whether it's, you know, something that I just continue to be super invested in, the, like some of the other games, I don't know. 
the question is like at the end of the day for me because of what i would actually consider the best pokemon game ever and a lot of that is to be fair skewed with like time and place and everything like is it going to beat the pure euphoria that was playing pokemon silver for the first time Mm. Mm. is it like is it gonna resonate with you in the the same way that game did yeah yeah that's fair that's fair do you guys think it has the potential to be Oh, One absolutely. Of the best Pokemon games. I think so. And I think even more so, like, if you talk about what comes next and if, like, the next big Pokemon game is this but iterated on, then I think you're really in that conversation of, like, all right, now they perfected it and, like, they took the stuff that works and whittled it down and made something new and amazing. Like, yeah. It, or, if nothing else, this is a stepping stone to what Pokemon needs to be going forward. Yeah. Like, something that's always kind of. I've wanted the role-playing games, but I've wanted the the ability to role-play as so many other types of people in this world. And, like, in this one, you're much more a researcher as it, than in the other games. It's really cool playing that role. I love the exploration and whatnot. Well, I think it would be cool to just kind of give us more flexibility like that. Like, how do you want to play this game going into the next almost game? Almost like a, a, a Pokemon World MMO. Well, that, that almost yeah, that actually... something on that line. That actually makes me think of, like, again, totally under-delivered on that concept, but uh, Shay accidentally brought up Pokemon Coliseum early, earlier, a game where you were playing as somebody who is part of a Pokemon criminal syndicate, where the game opens with you stealing a device that allows you to steal other people's Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which... Yeah, like you were fighting. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like that's it's it's neat. Like I I think giving giving these games more space to not just be, you know, go become the leader of the elite four type. Go like that's that's the story. That's all there is to it. We're gonna yeah. give you a bunch of fluff to make it different than the other one. Like in this one, you're fighting, you know, organized crime. In this next one, you're fighting random Pokemon from an alternate dimension and like in this one you're fighting environmental terrorists like it's none of that's the main story the story is you going to beat the elite four in all of them um it's really nice feeling you have room to do to like inhabit a completely different role um in the world in this and I would like to see more of that I think that I think that's the biggest thing I'd like to see more of. I'd like to have the option to be more of a researcher in another Pokemon. I'd like to be, you know, just just give me the options. Like maybe maybe there's other random, completely sidelined stuff other than that. I don't. I don't also, know. I don't. I don't know if I've ever talked to you guys about this, so I'm curious to get your opinions on it because I had a conversation with some friends about this today. Um. Why post Pokemon Sun and Moon did they get rid of the best thing Sun and Moon ever added, which was in the post game of Sun and Moon, after you become the champion, you can go to the champion's room and accept challengers. Right? Mm. Like, that was the coolest thing ever. Absolutely. Like, that's... Uh... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, finally delivering that promise of, yeah, no, you are the best now. Um... Yeah, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think it has the potential as well. Um, I'm not ready to call it the greatest Pokemon game ever, 
but I, I will say definitely has the potential. And for me, what about now? now? <laughs> you know, now that you mention it, <laughs> I've had some time to reflect. <laughs> yeah, since that last sentence. Yeah, that's right. Has the potential. Uh, along those lines, next poll for those playing: Do you currently have an alpha hunting addiction? Eighty-five percent of people said big yes. Fifteen percent of people said I like shinies more. Fair. Strange how only fifteen percent are correct. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, there, right? There right. Josh. There it is. <laughs> I want to see if there's an alpha shiny. I wonder if that's possible. Well, I'm I think, sure it is. I but... think that is possible, but like you're talking about now, rolling the dice on two tables. Yeah, I, I will. I will roll those odds. If I get a fucking alpha shiny, it's there. Over for there you is. If you, if you really want that to be a thing, uh, I think there's an additional shiny charm, just like the last couple games. Once oh, really? you like complete complete the Pokedex, I think is what how you get it. So you're gonna be getting most of the bonuses just from completing each Pokemon's entry. But then on top of that, I think you get a couple extra rolls to get a shiny charm, just like in all the other games. Sure. Yeah, um, I definitely need to get that. I think you know, I, really I think wanna... that one's only from getting like level ten with all the Pokemon. So not not completely maxim maxing them out, but I think it's for getting a level ten with everything. I I'd have to look that up again, mm. but I think that's what that's could for. be. Okay. I really want a shiny uh, Scizor because I love he retains that Scyther color, which I love. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to get some shinies. I want an all alpha team. If I can make that whole alpha team shiny, life will be good. There you go. But we'll see if that happens. We'll see if that happens. The last poll I did, um, not that many this week. Final Fantasy Remake Part 2 news is dropping later this year. <laughs> Sony, de- or sorry, Square decided to announce that we're getting more news later this year, but not the actual news itself. Do you think, or I, should, I said, do we see this game in 2022? Do we see Final Fantasy Remake Part 2? 35% of people said, let's hope so. And 65% of people, which I am feeling they're probably right, said not a chance in hell. Yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing it. Uh, no, well, I, I think maybe, maybe next year. Like I think, holiday. Yeah, I think just, uh, again, we talked about this earlier. Fucking, fucking, if I never hear another goddamn press release about a pet press release in the future, it will be too soon. Like, fucking don't. Stop telling us that at some point in the future, you're going to tell us Stop telling us when you're going to tell well, us. What, fu- fuck off. Just, just fuck the fuck off. I... Yes and no. Like, if, I, if I you're your... announcing a thing, like, Nintendo does this if they have a Direct that's not one of the, like, their scheduled ones, like, way in advance. Like, oh, hey, we're doing a indie thing right here. Let's, up, like, why now? Why now? Like, if, if, the, if you're not letting us know that you're having a press conference next week, don't tell us. Mm. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get your point. But I, I also feel like sometimes these companies don't do a good job of advertising when these things are happening as well. So sometimes it's like, oh, like that, that cow the kangaroo news completely mm-hmm. slipped by me. And that's... I still think that's made up. I don't even think that was a game. I think you're gaslighting me. Now I'm going to gaslight you about it. If Cow's a kangaroo, why is his name Cow? That's true. That's Cow. Cow is Japanese Yeah, no, we heard you you say Cow this whole time. Yeah, 
He's obviously a cow. Mm. Cow, the kangaroo. Is, it, is, is, this, it... is this a sort of the jerk situation? <laughs> it's exactly what it is. <laughs> fucking cow the kangaroo isn't real. You made him up because you're crazy. You're, he, you're... he grew up a poor young kangaroo in, in Mississippi. You're thinking of Ty the Tasmanian Tiger. <sighs> I need so to go defeated. watch The Jerk again. That's uh, it's been too long. <laughs> I always watch The Jerk when we finish the podcast. Mm. You're a jerk. Yeah, I know. It's like my whole thing. I wasn't talking to you, jerk. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Oh, Bazumbo. Yeah. <laughs> Zambo. Zumba. But Zumba. No, uh, you guys don't think we'll get that game this year? Uh no, I think next I, year, Pro- yeah, probably yeah. holiday next year. I don't, I don't see it. Just kind of okay. G- given given the space between the first episode and its extra content, I don't think we're. I don't. I don't think they're. But also right to be fair, ready for the uh, next. Yeah. You also probably got to keep in mind that like having the first game done is like the big hurdle. Oh yeah. Because yeah. Now no, you know what you're making and you have the engine set up properly. And yeah, you've got a bunch of your character assets and animations done. There's, there's like, a whole lot knocked out from the that. turnaround so it, is going to be less, but I still don't think it's, I still think it's 2023. Yeah. Okay. I, do, I do as well. Given again, where, where they put that intermission. Although, I'd like to see it sooner just as far as ever finishing this thing. I would be pleasantly surprised to get it sooner. Yeah, I feel like this holiday this year is the right time for it. I don't think we're good. I think they're then. likely to hit that, yeah. But I would this I holiday think, season. Yeah. Don't get your hopes. Cloud's up. coming home for Christmas. <laughs> and he's brought a sack full of a sack full of Mako. Mm. Coming to fuck your Christmas tree. It's Red 13, scratching his testicles. Red 13. Barrett. K-Chief. Tifa. Aerith. <laughs> and introducing Sephiroth. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Sephiroth. What are you guys oh, to? Sephiroth's here. Sephiroth's like voiced him. by Polly Shore. <laughs> How you been, man? I, you know, just uh, been trying to get the Mako and... Uh... It's not you know, I've been Polly pissed Shore. off at my mom. You know, the <laughs> usual. Yeah. The closest yeah, voice that. that came to me. For- I always yeah. forget that Sephiroth is Shay's roommate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we should have yeah. him on the show more often. I always hate when his mother comes. How you doing, boys? <laughs> Sephi, where are my cigarettes? <laughs> Steffi, did you leave your used condoms on the floor again? I hate having to clean up those condoms. Steffi, I told you not to leave your sword in the kitchen. It's like 13 feet long. Are you trying to kill your mother? (laughs) Steffi, how many times do I got to tell you don't track blood in the house? There's materia all over the bathroom. (laughs) How am I supposed to orgasm in the bathtub with your material laying around? Your grandmother's coming to visit. You want to come into this filth? You want to think we live like pigs in squalor? 
right. Well, let, let me ask you a more interesting question. I'm sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> Pussy. No. Um. Let me ask you a more interesting. <laughs> let me ask you a more interesting question. Do you think that the uh, remake part two is going to be a PS5 exclusive? Yes. Timed. Uh, the timed exclusive. Yeah. Inter- Intergrade was a PS5 exclusive. Yeah, and that's what makes me think, but I mean, it's still so fucking hard to get a PS5 right now for so many people. Yeah. Oh, and, sorry, by, by timed, I meant, like, obviously there's, there's still the, the PC side of things. Which oh, yeah, no, no. I, I, oh, epic, but, yeah. I, I assumed he was asking, like, will it come to PS4? And I, I think the think, obvious think answer the to that to is the expansion didn't even come to PS4. It's, it's not going to come to PS4. Yeah, I think, that, I think that was their way of easing you into the idea by it being... An intermission, so you don't feel completely left out of the loop if you don't have it right away. Yeah. But so it's not also, oh my god, the entire next chapter's on this thing. You, I I think they're easing you into the idea is what what's happening with that. Okay. So, I don't think you're wrong by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, yeah. I it's gonna be interesting because that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I think people are. Trying to get PS5s, obviously God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon yeah. Forbidden West. Are I also... believe Horizon's also a PS4 game. It is. It is. Yeah, I, I looked the other day because um, I needed to know. Yeah, I'm no, really I understand that game. But yeah, I I was still like the other day. I went to pick up my new Joy Cons because my my old ones broke, and I didn't want to fix them. And I was looking at, oh, are PS5 still a bitch to get? And the answer is yes. Yes. But the way that they're still doing it, and I told you guys about this before, is, is the stupid lottery system that they have set up here, where um, you have to register for the chance to get chosen through the lottery system. I, I love how he complains about that, and, and the system in the United States is hope. No, that's not true. The system in the United States is you have to go to a Best Buy with a gun. And hope. And, and so a typical Tuesday night there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to get into AR-15 and go to a Best Buy. Luckily, and when you walk in, at Best Buy. We have a lot more AR-15s than we do PS5s, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you walk in and they're like, um, and they're, they're, they kind of just put their hands up like this and blase and you're like oh no 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 look i'm not i'm not here to kill anybody this isn't a a mass murder situation i'm just i'm threatening you guys to give me a ps5 we don't have sir you're the fourth guy with an ar-15 today we don't have a fucking ps5 yeah the manager walks out with his hands already up the truck's not in yet there's just there's just one guy (laughs) who's really prepared he's like of course we have ps5s let me just reach under the counter and get get on the ground (laughs) (laughs) sawed off shotguns this is the America you guys want. This is the America we're going to be living in in three years. You guys don't get your shit together. Why don't you libtards get on the goddamn floor? <laughs> this is your... You want healthcare? Well, you know what you're going to get? Some lead, pussy. This is the America liberals want, where a good God-fearing man can't it's walk into like a best... this killed Circuit City. <laughs> A good, God-fearing man like me can't walk into a Best Buy and threaten the clerk with gun violence until he gets a Samsung TV. Listen. Listen here, you turds. And I'll take that Coca-Cola, too. If you were... 
If you weren't so busy buying your avocado toast, you would have made sure you were supporting Radio Shack before it went out of business. That's on your hands. <laughs> Clark just casually ringing up the man holding a gun on him. Do you have a rewards card? I don't have it with me, but uh, maybe you can look it up on my phone number? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a rewards card? My rewards card is living in America and being a goddamn American. So no, no? sir, I need to actually be able to scan something. <laughs> so, so no? <laughs> It's like I'll just put in mine. Would you, would, you, would, you, would you would you like to get one? You know I'd like another AR15, you fucking libtard. Yeah. Give me another one. Sir, uh, you bought the you bought the last one. These we're are out. fun like, poll questions cuz we're really losing the thread on every yeah. single one of them. All right. Dude, that's can, been this whole podcast is us just losing the thread of the entire show. For just 3.99 you can get a protection plan. It's gonna cover you for the an additional an additional year past the uh, the warranty. That's right. They're giving away uh, free uh, bulletproof vests with mm -hmm. every one thousand dollars that you spend at Best Buy. You That's realize how how successful that campaign would be if they did something like that? It'd be pretty good. Mm -hmm. It'd be pretty sad, but uh. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's, you know. All right, yeah. Let's. I, I don't know what the fuck just. We got happened, Best Buys but, to rob right. at gunpoint. Exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna. F Josh, you're gonna have to decide if we keep that in the show. <laughs> That's the only part we're keeping in the show. Yeah, the yeah. rest is out. Just that five minutes of our rambling on that, and Sephiroth and his mother living with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyways, um, before we get out of here. Just a few quick reminders. If you like the show, please like The best part like about it. that whole thing is it's very hard to not picture that entire thing as if it were George's mother saying all that stuff to Sephiroth. Oh, yeah, no. It's... But that's the first image to come to your mind until you realize it's just a mechanical torso saying all that the entire time. <laughs> yes, exactly. So much more concerning, right? It's yeah, actually, Costanza, actually way, mother. All of our younger listeners from mm -hmm. Seinfeld. Yes. Seinfeld. I gotta understand if you didn't get that. Sorry, reference. sorry, yeah. All three of our younger listeners, because... What? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's exactly. a Seinfeld, daddy-o? Are uh, you talking about uh, uh, Tonari no Seinfeldru? <laughs> Alright. Let's get out of here, guys. You watch the subs uh, or the dubs on that? I love no, that. we're getting out of here! <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We're getting out of here. The show's good night. done. Good night. No, not good night. If you like the show, please like and subscribe wherever you listen. Um, if you want more content from us, head over to swordchomp.com where we have a bunch more podcasts uh, such as Evoking the Sublime, Chomping at the Bits, and Chomping After Dark. They all have different uh, conceits for being their own show. You can go check them out there. We have merch at store.swordchomp.com. Valentine's Day is next week. What better thing to get your your lover? And um, I will not hear any slander this week, Josh. You, you got your slander in last week? No slander this week. Go get your, your threads if you want them or whatever else you want to get there. Also, we have an article section. I just got recently got up a, a guide on how to catch monsters in Monster Hunter for the three people who give a shit. And, um, Rich he did, and, it's true. Rich and Ray are going to be getting some stuff up there as well if you are interested. And checking that stuff out. Go take and a look. And finally, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com.
youtube.com slash or access it from our website um you get rewarded for supporting us and you help us make the awesome content for the show um not just the show i'm sorry for sword chomp as a whole all the stuff that we do so you can check it out there but that's the end of the spiel um i want to thank you so much for listening to us um bearing with us as we had kind of a crazier loopier show this week uh thank you to rich and josh for being here from new york and north carolina respectively i was your host shay from japan we will catch you on next week's episode thank you so much and take care good night